Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie, and welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. It is Wednesday, May 1st. Can you believe we're in May already, 2019? I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and joining me in just a little bit is going to be my special guest co-host today, uh, we're going to have Katie Barberi joining us today, and uh, we'll probably sneak in a visit from our regular co-host, Mr. Craig Hurley. So we hope you give us a call over the next hour. Stand on my soapbox with us. Give us your opinions on anything, news, politics, pop culture, whatever is on your mind. We'll talk about it all. Let's go ahead and get talking. Please welcome to the show the always lovely Miss Katie Barberi. Katie, how are we doing? Hello, my dear. I'm good. How are you? I am very well, thank you. We have an 82 degrees day in Northeast Ohio, so I'm happy. Wow. I've been out in the sunshine, walking around. So I was going to tell you, I was I was going to try to make you jealous, but I can't now. I can't tell you that we're in sun, sunny California and that it's, I don't know what the degrees are because we haven't turned the car on yet and I haven't checked, but it's got to be somewhere around 82. No question. Oh, my goodness. Well, very nice. Welcome back to beautiful downtown Southern California. Thank you, my dear. We are very, very happy to be here. This is where it all started, and this is where it must continue. So there you go. We are happy to be happy to be home in a matter of sorts. And how was your visit with your uh, co-host yesterday and friends? Your, your with Jackie, yesterday? with Jackie and her family. They are the most beautiful human beings, and they were so lovely. They really were. And Jackie is is just like Craig was saying. He's she's a she's become a total like chef, and she's all concerned about that and healthy eating and what have you. And so, um, <clears throat> she's all about that right now. And uh, and so she made us the, the best dinner. It was just awesome. Nice. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it to the destination. That's very exciting stuff. Uh, now, yeah. now the real work begins. you got to get those agents in gear, and it's time to get the pedal to the metal, as they say, huh? Yeah. Well, the agents were already in gear. The agents are very excited that we're here. But it's just, I mean, we just arrived. We literally, we arrived late last night. So we're just, we're just getting acclimated, and we're going to see Craig's daughter in just a little bit. And so that'll be wonderful because he has missed nice. her very much. And uh, so it's all good. It's all good. Very good. Yeah. I'm doing pretty well. It's been a, been a nice couple of days here. We've had a couple of great days of radio with Craig, and I had a couple of good Left of Straight Show days. I got to talk to uh, the cast of Glee yesterday, a couple of the Glee cast members. They have a new podcast. Wow. It's a lot of fun. And wow. I told – Craig off air yesterday I was talking to Alyssa Milano online who is a, a friend that, of yours and that is she correct. has a new commonly podcast known, yeah she does commonly known as Alyssa Jane 
Um, Alyssa, I've, I've known, we grew up together. I haven't talked to her in a while, but we, I know that we've, you know, maintained contact through, through social media, or at least I have with her. I'm pretty sure she has with me. And we've always just kept in touch through mutual friends and, and finding out what each one is doing. But we've led both, you know, in different, in different genres, very public lives. And so um, sure. it's, it's easy to kind of keep track of what we're doing. And uh, she's she's amazing. She's amazing. She's she's her. Well, she's, she's been her doing person. such great work in the Me Too movement and just advocating she on really LGBT has. rights and women rights and everything. She is just a fantastic advocate for a lot of causes that are important really, to her heart. She, yep, absolutely. And I I can't wait to talk to her. I want to I want to see if I can do her podcast because I think she's going to be very interested in the work that we did with SAG after with Telemundo for the, for the benefit of uh, Latino performers uh, in the United States and getting the first union contract, which was a, a big deal. And that seems like it's right up her alley because she's all about, you know, fighting oppression to a certain extent when it comes to uh, women and, and minorities. And I think it's, I think it's fantastic that she's got a podcast. She needed to, she needed to, because when all the Twitter stuff happened, it just, it's, I think that Twitter is not, Twitter is a great resource. But it's not necessarily the best opportunity to express yourself because things can be misinterpreted. So when you're, right. you know, when you're listening to it from the horse's mouth and you're hearing, you know, a person's voice and you're hearing what it is that they truly have to say, um, then 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 I think it, it, it makes a it makes a difference, you know, in a, in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, I love the so. written word, but there is no inflection and it's really hard, especially in 140 now 280 characters or less to really make your point exactly known right. and what inflection and what tone you're using. So exactly. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, it can be misinterpreted. It's not, so it's important, you know, to, to, to have this type of media. If you're going to, you know, stand on one soapbox as much as Alyssa does, you know, and she's, exactly. she's been doing fantastic work. She's, you know, Alyssa grew up in this business. She started when she was, I think, I think she, sorry. Um, I, I'm so sorry. We're, this is this is called this is called Wally World podcast um, <laughs> because we're literally <laughs> we're on the road while we're doing the podcast. Um, okay, so I, so Alyssa is Alyssa is she started in the business when she was ten years old, and she did uh, she did. Um, uh, who's the boss? She did the so time. much. She was a yeah, bit. who's the boss? And right, exactly. But I am on Melrose Place and Charmed to, and all that. Right, all of all of those television shows, and I was privy to, um, I was privy to the information that she actually did Annie before she did Who's the Boss. She did it in the Road Company, and then there was a Broadway, there was a Broadway special uh, that she did with, uh, Oh my God, it was just the, the biggest, uh, the biggest stars in television. And she was on that Broadway special before she booked, uh, who's the boss. So she's literally been doing this her whole life. She literally has. Nice. Well, I'm excited. Hopefully we'll have her on at least one of our shows. If not here, we'll get her on left to straight or something, but I, I'd love to get her voice out here on standing on my soapbox. Cause that's what you, and the title of her podcast is so great. Sorry, not sorry, which I absolutely love. Um, I think that's a great attitude to have. And uh, so it's going to be exciting stuff. We'll see what happens. It sure will. What else is going on, my dear? Talk to me. 
Well, of course, um, we got that bar hearing going on today. That's sucking up all the news in the room today. Attorney General um, William Barr is in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee today uh, answering questions on the Mueller report. And, of course, it's partisan, as always, with the Democrats trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And was he stooping for the president, not for the people of the U.S., and for all the Republicans saying, that the uh, whole thing was a witch hunt and they should be back to checking on Hillary Clinton again. So just been a partisan mess, nothing exciting, nothing too new learned. I think, yeah. I think both sides uh, yeah, they're, made they're some always points. Try to go back and like, they're always going to try to go back and, and like Bill Maher said, go back and check on grandma. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> grandma, right. Clinton, grandma Hillary, which is just so silly. It's just so yeah. silly. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, listen, they're not saying that there was there wasn't, uh, interference. There was absolutely interference that they're, they're saying that they can't show obstruction and they can't, uh, they can't show obstruction, but they can't show probable cause. They can't show, right. uh, they can't show intent on the part of the president. And so it's, and they also have not concluded, hello, just letting everyone know they have not concluded their investigation they have not it's this is a matter of it's going to take a little bit of time for that to happen it's just that at this point Mueller has uh turned it over to Barr, and and is you know is continuing to to try to find the the solution a different way but it's not this investigation is not over this investigation no, I, no. in my opinion is one of the most complex issues in in american history when it comes to the presidency and when it comes to and it all has to do with the internet and how all of that is 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 playing itself out uh you know right. as far as as far as an ability yeah as far as an ability to uh collude as far as an ability to to uh to to create this type of interference you know it's just like craig used to say ballots used to be on paper ballots used to be you know what i mean i mean there's a million ways to to cause problems with with the system when you're dealing with the internet and when you're dealing, I mean, there's uh, computers, there's, there are a million opportunities. So it's, uh, it's, exactly. it's, it's important that the investigation continue. And it is, the investigation is not over. This portion of the investigation is over, but you know, still have we seen a, no, we've seen a redacted version, correct? We have not seen right. the we've entire seen redacted. version. We've we seen haven't redacted. seen the entire right. thing yet. And I thought the redacted was actually pretty good. There wasn't a lot redacted in it. Um, so I think we got no, a good was, group. The only thing we really didn't find out is what you said. The other, there's um, 15, I think it's 12 to 15 other investigations still going on. And that was redacted um, saying what those were. So that was really the only part. The rest of it was, I think, redacted mildly enough. They were talking about it in the hearing today that I think as far as the obstruction part goes, there's only like, Two percent redacted, and as far as the uh, um, conspiracy, maybe eight percent. So, and that was all with primarily grand jury testimony, which can't be said. So, I, I think actually I have to give some credit that they didn't redact too much. I think he he portrayed it um, inaccurately, but I do believe that as far as redaction go, I think the attorney general did do a pretty good job of making that relatively fair, personally. Yeah, um, I, I there exactly that is the thing. This is not an investigation that has concluded. 
There are 15 other investigations that are still pending. And, uh, and, and I did think that they, that they were very fair with their redacted version, absolutely, and that they let us know. It's right. not our business to know everything. That's, that's just the truth. It's, I mean, I, I think there are sure. people that would, we're taxpayers and we pay for the government. No, I mean, investigations with the FBI and, and a series of things, it's delicate. And, uh, and, and there's, there, of course, there's always classified information. It's, a, it's actually to protect the public. So there's no way we're going to see the whole thing. Of course, uh, right. You know, and, and, and that's just the, that's just the bottom line. But uh, it's, it's, it has certainly been interesting. Boring, it has not been. Not at all. Yeah, that's true. You cannot call it boring. No. You can call it lots of things. Boring is not boring. one of them. You're right. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So I was watch I was looking at the notes uh right before the show started and I I'm very surprised to hear that now am I correct is this Rick Schroeder is this Ricky Schroeder that just got yeah that's been breaking today I guess our good old Ricky Schroeder Silver Spoons Ricky Schroeder um was arrested for the second time on a domestic violence charge he's in custody on $50,000 bail right now the wife is asking for a divorce um they got a call for domestic violence around uh, one o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, uh, early, which is earlier this morning. So last night, this morning, yep. uh, by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And when the sheriffs got there, they talked to both the suspect and the victim, which I'm assuming is his wife. And yep. they also identified evidence of a physical altercation. So, uh, and they're identifying the Schroeder as the suspect. So we'll see what happens. It sounds like. Something happened between him and his wife, and uh, a physical—I mean, physical altercations are never any good. Um, should never no, happen on either alter- side. No, you don't come back from physical altercations, unfortunately. As a, right. as a as a woman, you know, uh, arguments are going to happen when you're in a, when you're in a relationship. Arguments are going to happen. There sure. is no such thing as—I mean, I have heard the very very occasional situation of. And we never fight, but I always wonder, like, what's going on with that? We're, we're, you know, at the end of the day, you're two different people. Uh, you're two different people who have lived two different lives. You've been raised in two different homes, and you're going to see things differently, dang it all, uh, to to a certain extent, and that's normal, you know. And and it's 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 important important that you know, as as a couple, you. Um, you have debates and you and you're you're passionate about your point of view about different sure and turn into arguments and there you know there are hurt feelings and there's there's you know there's there there are misunderstandings and there's lack of communication for uh, as much as one tries to avoid it within i mean there's a million things that happen there's illnesses and children and and you know marriage and 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 everything that that entails and finances you know it's hard it's hard relationships are hard but the minute the man lays a hand on a woman, in my opinion, it's over. You know, right. uh, I, I agree 100%. Said, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't want to, you know, I certainly don't want to say that about Ricky's relationship. I've known Ricky since I was 14. Um, I, I, you know, and I, and I wish him, him and his wife and everyone, his mom and Dawn, she's a beautiful human being, his older sister, everybody the best always. But I'm speaking in general terms without there because this is a, an allegation, and there hasn't been an investigation done yet, uh, so it's not fair. Not speaking about Ricky personally, I can talk about Ricky. I worked with him on. Well, sure, years, but, exactly, and, you know, and it's hard like because I mean, there's that. statistics say one in four women are going to experience domestic violence. It's not like it's not a 
unfortunately happening a lot more than it should be. Most of them are never reported. Um, But with that that notoriety he has, he's going to be kind of run through the ringer for it for a bit, which is sad. Absolutely. um, Absolutely. Not always fair. And it's not... It's not. It's not. Um, it's. It's not something that can. It's not. It's not something that's going to get better. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't mean right. to be negative when it comes to a, a, a man's ability to maybe um, to maybe um, uh, rehabilitate, but it, it. There's something in their makeup. You know, Craig and I have had it out on occasion. Obviously, I mean, we've been together literally almost every day. For the past I can imagine with years. a Latina temper and as vocal as he can be, you guys have probably had a good conversation or two. <laughs> we've had, we've had a conversation or two, my friend. We have had a conversation <laughs> or two. But the man right. would never lay a hand on me, ever. That is simply, it's just not, it's just not something that's going to happen. It's in his makeup. Right. Of course. <clears throat> and so it's, it's, um, you know, he it, it, when you when you deal with when you deal with <laughs> when you deal with uh, uh, when you're dealing with um, uh, d- domestic violence issues and the man is is hitting, it's it's not going to get better. Unfortunately, I mean, I I, I hope no. for the very best with any case, but and so many of them don't go reported because the woman knows that it and it you right. enter into this this codependent. Um, you enter into this codependent negative relationship where the woman's self-esteem is destroyed and it just, it just gets, it's just, it's one of the most negative experiences that a human being can have on this planet. And Oprah Winfrey said, um, I think it was after Rihanna pictures were taken of her and she had, she had uh, allegedly uh, had experienced some, some abuse from Chris Brown. Uh, Oprah said, you're, you're not, you know, love is not supposed to hurt. It doesn't mean that you right. don't argue, but it's not supposed to hurt. It's just not supposed to hurt, you know, and so I'm, I'm sorry to see this happen. I worked with Ricky when I was 14. We did an episode of Silver Spoons together, and it's, it's so funny because I was just talking about him the other day because it's, it's known as one of the most popular episodes of, of Silver Spoons ever. Uh, watch. Nice. That was a very popular show back in the day. That's for darn sure. Yeah, I, I lost you for a second. Did you watch the show? I, I've I've seen episodes. I wasn't a regular watcher of it. I was a little bit older than that, um, so it wasn't my cup of tea as much. But I definitely knew about it and uh, and watched an episode here or there. My younger brothers watched. Okay. It. Okay. So I so I played uh, I played Wanda O'Biddle, which is a scary name. Uh, and I, yeah, and she was, uh, she was, uh, she, she was, it was back when it was chatting before they had chatting on computer and the, uh, and, and the episode was that he was chatting with a girl who he, uh, who he, he was, you know, attracted to and interested in, he thought she was really funny and he was chatting on computer with her and they called it grokking at the time, which I thought grokking was a really interesting, I don't know, that went away. But he was you know what? It's Googleable. It's Googleable, and it's called 
The Secret Life of Ricky Stratton was the name of the episode. I like it. That is that is absolutely right. And she was she was uh, she she so she sends him a picture. They agree to meet in person. She sends him a picture of herself. He sends her a picture of himself. And they both become terrified. They're teenagers about, you know, are we is he going to think I'm ugly? Is he going to think I'm so they did uh, dream sequences for both of us. And I in my dream sequence. I was about 300 pounds. That's easily what, you know, they had the character of me padded to the hills. And they put this giant uh, prosthetic nose on me. And they put, uh, you know, ponytails on either side, just pigtails, so that it looked like she couldn't do her hair. And I talked like this up here. And so she had this sort of voice. <laughs> and it was, it was where things were not going well for him. He had these giant ears. And they put this big, round a red splotch right in the middle of his forehead, which was to, to denote a zit, and uh, and these big floppy shoes, like he thought he had giant feet. So uh, we each had our dream sequences of of, or rather nightmare sequences of how we were going to, how the other was going to perceive us. And then you know at the end of the show we meet and everything goes really really well, and uh, it's just a very very cute episode, very cute episode. Right. And I, he was I lovely like and it. always very professional. Uh, Diane, his mom, lovely, always there, always very vigilant of him and of his of his work. And so, um, you know, to hear that this is happening is is really unfortunate. I I am sorry about this. Yeah, it's uh, very sad. Like I said, unfortunately, because of his um, quote unquote celebrity, it's going to be a lot of stuff happen in the media that you would hope something like that would not. Um, have to go as public because it's you said you're, you're not going to be able to walk back from it ever, but you can hopefully heal from it. Hopefully they can heal together from it eventually, and be able to at least uh, talk to each other again down the line. I'm sure the trust would be broken forever from her point as yeah, it should just, be. But with rough. the notoriety, it's it makes rough. it hard. Yeah, it does. It does. That it come out all over the place, and that people like us <laughs> be talking about it makes it makes it uh, makes it harder. But we are we are here to talk about politics and pop culture, and unfortunately, that's what came across the airwaves. Um, you know, and so it's. Uh, I, I wish him absolutely the very best, and I hope that he, they have a lot of children together as well. So I just, I you know, I I I'm sending love and light to their children, and just the whole family, and hoping that. Everything comes out okay, you know, where, where this is concerned, and that hopefully maybe, you know, uh, they, can, they can work things out. I'm not saying that it's not impossible. I'm saying that normally, you know, he can certainly afford the kind of therapy that a man needs if he's trying to end a relationship. And so um, possibly, you know, with therapy, it would help. And, you know, so I only wish and hope for the best. Exactly. All right, let's see what else we got. We've got a lot of pop culture news today and something that you've weighed on before. Um, we got uh, Jussie Smollett back on the news. Empire has been renewed for a sixth season, and as of this point, there are no plans to put him back in yet. He is still as part of the cast, but he is not being said that he's going to be in any episodes yet. So it's kind of one of those limbo things. That sounds like a scary place to be. By mutual agreement, it says, the studio has negotiated an extension to his option for season six, but at the time there are no plans for his character to return. 
that's got to be a hell of a limbo. I would hate that. Yeah, um, I, you know, it, they had they had the lawyer on. They had the lawyer on um, the CBS Morning Show. They had the lawyer on the CBS Morning Show, and I saw that interview with with uh, Jesse Smollett's lawyer. Apparently, the um, apparently the, the the charges should not have been filed the way that they were filed. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot going on with the Chicago police department. They're very unhappy there. You know, Rahm Emanuel made, um, public statements about it. Even the president of the United States, who is, is, whose job it is to be presidential and, uh, take time and, and, and for, for his work as leader of the free world. But he also made a statement about it. Um, and it's gotten a lot of attention, but it seems like this kid at least according to his lawyer. And I know his lawyer is always going to be on his side, but the reason the charges were dropped was because they were not filed correctly to begin with is supposedly how this went down. So um, he's, I would, I would imagine that they would have to renew his contract. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's good because he has rights too, you know, as a performer and as someone who's under contract, if he was given a very right. raw deal where this is concerned, you know, he, he has a right. He has a right to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to state, look, you're not going to fire me. You're not going to badmouth me. You're not going to, you know, you need to give me a chance to, to explain what happened. All of, I mean, it, I know they made fun of him on SNL and I know a series of things and definitely something, um, something, something did go wrong on his end, but apparently something also got, went wrong on, on the way that the charges were filed and how, the situation was handled, right. and there's some rumor about. I think we talked about this before. Uh, the manager having something to do with it that Jesse did not have anything to do with. So right. um, that's that's important too. That's important too. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays. I mean, like I said, right now it's amicable. The cast has written an open letter. They would like to see him back. He has been very amicable and grateful to the cast and to the Fox and their Empire leadership. Um, a spokesperson said that uh, Jesse will not be a- appearing in the beginning of the season, but appreciates they've extended his contract to keep the future of the character open. So we'll see how it plays out, but it seems very amenable at this time. We'll, well that's happens. great. That's great. I'm thrilled about that. And I, you know, I hope that it works out and that he has an opportunity to speak at some point. And if, and if there, you know, if he did have something to do with it more than, what it is that we've already heard that he gets, you know, kind of the help that he needs so that, you know, this is all about, look, we, as human beings, our lives are, are, are filled with trials and tribulations and things that we are forced to go through. And, 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 and they're all opportunities to learn and they're all opportunities to grow and they're all opportunities to get better. Um, and so exactly. that's what we're all always striving to do. And, and, and if there's something for him to learn, then, then great. I, I, you know, I, I hope that he, I hope that he's given the opportunity to come back to the show and, and that the, that the producers welcome him and that everybody has an opportunity to, to grow from the experience. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're about 28 minutes in here. Let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll play a little bit of our Hayden McHugh. This is blue galaxy. Guys, when we get back, give us a call at 347-989-0126 if we want to talk to Katie Barberi or ask us any questions or chime in on anything happening in the news. 
Give us a call. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Standing My Soapbox right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. I am floating in a castle high above the universe, and I think that I'd rather be floating here with you. My journey's seen two years, sometimes I think my triple C two more, but it gets quite lonely in my bubble, and I don't want to cause no trouble, but I miss you when you're this far away, thinking maybe I can turn this ship around to where you but I know that that's not possible And we both know that we ended things And I left I'm lost in the universe 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 Possible, and we both know that we ended things when I left. 
Taking my call, I, I am the self-proclaimed uh, greatest caller in the history of radio. How are you? Nice, welcome. We like, we like okay. self-proclaimed greatest callers. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Listen, b- before are, I tell you why I called, we are honored. Uh, th- well, no, that, well, now I feel bad. It, I'm not, on, you know, I'm not like a famous president or anything like that. But thank you for saying that. It's an honor for me to be on your program. Then, um, before I tell you why I'm on, I just want to make sure there's no misunderstanding. I am not a Republican. I do not side with the right. I think they are hypocrites and they contradict themselves and they put their nation sometimes of their party over their nation. Uh, And I believe LGBT people deserve equal rights. They're obviously human beings and they shouldn't have to be miserated in pain where they have to, you know, hide who they love and stuff like that. Um, There is one contradiction though. There's one contradiction. And every time I try to bring this up, half the people get emotional and don't try to understand it. And the other half try. So I hope you guys try to understand it. Okay. We will do our best. Okay. Let's, the, the contradiction is this. If, imagine there was a guy who was 18 years old, and he had sex with another guy who was 18 years old. Everyone would say, hey, leave him alone. These, these are two 18-year-olds who are happy with each other, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Now imagine, now imagine there was another 18-year-old guy, and he had sex with a girl. They would say it's wrong if she's 17. Isn't there a contradiction there? Well, I'm sorry. Um, I, it I, depends I, on the. Oh, I'll let Katie. Katie will go ahead and talk to. And Katie's an ally, and so she is a, a, a strong Latina heterosexual female. So take it away, Katie. You can go first. I, I actually I need to apologize. I need I, I understood the first part of the question, which was if okay. two 18 year old yeah. males ha, uh, have consensual sex, everyone would say. Or people should say, leave them alone. They're happy. Leave them alone. <laughs> should, um, right. And that's that. But the second part of the question, I apologize. Would you no mind problem, terribly no repeating it? Sure. No problem. So I'll keep it simple. Imagine there was two situations on the news, okay? You turn your news on. One situation has an 18-year-old guy having sex with another 18-year-old guy, right? Okay. Another situation has a guy having sex with a girl, except she's 17, the obvious answer would be leave them both alone, but the LGBT community who understands what you know uh, unfairness and, and pointing the finger at innocent people feels like, they'll say, no, 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 no. The 18-year-old guy with the gay guy is okay, but the 18-year-old guy who's a heterosexual, well, that's not okay. Not all of them, but some well, the of them. Well, the 17-year-old is underage legally. Am, am I no, understanding she, this correctly? No, she's not. In America... Um, in most of America, the legal age is 16 in most states, 17 in some states, and 18 in a few states. But can I ask you, even if, let's say it was illegal all over America, let's say it was, as a person who sides with LGBT community, you know just because something is illegal doesn't mean they're morally wrong. 
And if you disagree, again, isn't there a contradiction? If two 18-year-old gay guys can have sex, why can't heterosexuals have sex? Well, I, 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 think, I think then the question would be if it's two – first of all, I don't know what two 18-year-old uh, gay guys having, having uh, consensual sex, why that would ever make the news. I would never understand. That's not news or shouldn't be. Um, two, uh, consent, uh, two consenting 18-year-old uh, heterosexual uh, re- relationship of a man and a woman also is not news. Um, if, it, if it's a 17-year-old and the 17-year-old's family files charges for statutory rape because in the state of, in the state of, uh, of, of whatever, whatever state we're referring to, uh, the, 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 uh, the, it, the consensual age is 18, that's why it would make the news. It wouldn't make the news for any other reason. Okay, well, a couple of things yeah. here. Um, number one, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, can I follow up to that, or did you want to? Um, yeah, I, I heard well, I someone gonna, else saying something. I was going to say, I don't, I don't uh, know of any, I know a lot of people in the LGBT community. I don't know many that would even comment on the entire situation, but go ahead, give me your side. I'd like to hear your side. Keep going. Yeah, so a couple of, well, she said a few things there. So, um, number one, it does make the news all the time um, when people have sex with someone who's 16, 17, and, you know, they get yeah, labeled not- pedophile and put in jail. No, hold on. That's what she said. Yeah, ter- she did say that. Yeah. yeah, she did. And then the 18-year-old part, that has made the news in the past, not as much today, when you hear stories, oh, this man had sex with someone else and he was gay, by the way, and they make jokes about it. They make fun of him. They ridicule the person. Oh, a politician did this, a you know, gay person, whoever, whether they're 18, 21, 31, doesn't matter. But to your other point about the law, again, it's not illegal in most of America. But even if it was, why, why is there a lack of... There is a contradiction. If LGBT people say, hey, folks, leave human beings alone. They're human beings. They deserve love, and they they should have a chance to be with who they want. Why do they not apply that same logic to heterosexuals? Okay. I I don't know of any that do. I don't really know of any that do. Where where are you – where is this happening at? I could give you you tons of examples. Conservative Northeast Ohio, and I don't see that happening. Where do they? Where do you? Well, see I could that give you. I, I could give you tons of examples, but to save time, because I know if I give examples, there won't be enough time. I mean, I, I still ask the question again. Don't you guys acknowledge there is a contradiction? Well, that that would be a contradiction, but I don't see it happening. I, I think you're right, but I, but if it's a, oh. only if it's legal, and like you said, it's legal so, in a lot but, of places. How do you know it's legal in a lot but, of places? So if, if but, it's but legal, on, but, and someone comments on it, they can comment on it, but. But hold on now, I, I but then, the, the, but there's a contradiction there. You, as a person who sides with LGBT people, as I do, no. you should know just because something is illegal doesn't mean it's morally wrong. Are you saying that LGBT yeah, but, uh, relationships are illegal? No, no, no. Wasn't no, there not, a time where no. no? Wasn't there a time where it was illegal oh, to get married to someone under eighteen? So, that, that, but that, or to have sodomy, have sex? They would kill people, murder right. people. You know, just because. Absolutely. And even if they, even if it wasn't illegal, you know the public perception. Whenever you tell people you're gay, you're lesbian, you have a boyfriend, that you know how they treat innocent human beings. So the point is. There's a, there's a lash against people who are normal, who want to have gay sex. Normal means that's who they are. They want to have a partner. But when that Correct. same logic is – when, when he said on the phone a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago, and you did too, only if it's illegal. Well, there's a contradiction. Just because something is illegal doesn't mean it's morally wrong. 
Yeah, but it depends. Okay, I mean, so we're not I, talking context, though. The problem with that, Bobby, is there's no context. What is the con? I don't see people talking, just commenting. I don't. Most LGBT people don't comment on sex because they feel that it's no one's business, especially because in their own bedroom. So it doesn't happen well, enough for that to happen. If if the context right. was, hey, the story is this guy had sex with an underage girl. What's your comment on it? They say something. But I just don't see the whole premise even happening. I agree with you. It shouldn't be any different. There shouldn't be any difference in it. But I don't see well, it all you have to. All, I, I could give you. I could give. I could give you two examples that I know you know about. I know you know this. All you have to do is go anywhere on the the cold dark cave that is known as the internet, and just write on there. Hey, I think it's okay for two 18-year-olds to have sex, but not an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old, and watch what they will say. And if you want the second example, on your own radio program today when I called in, um, you guys are telling me basically I don't see it happening. I don't understand the premise. What's the context? But not once have you acknowledged until you did a few seconds ago, but the other lady didn't, that there's a contradiction. I, I don't, I'm not sure I understand. Here's what I do know, and I think I understand where you're coming from, Bobby. As a, as an actor, I was I was um, I was emancipated. I was legally emancipated legally emancipated at the age of fifteen, so that I could be viewed as legal eighteen. I was still fifteen in in my years on the planet. I was fifteen years old, but I was emancipated to be a legal eighteen for work purposes. And when I met my fiance Craig Hurley, I was actually seventeen and he was twenty. He decided not to enter into any kind of relationship with me. We didn't get together until way later in our lives because mm-hmm. he, didn't, he, he viewed me as jailbait, whether I was legally 18. Now, remember, emancipation, emancipation was actually designed uh, for the benefit of uh, uh, child abuse cases where a child was old enough that they could take care of themselves. And, uh, and, and whether they'd be 15, 16, 17, they could get a job. And they were old enough to take care of themselves. The courts would deem them legally 18 so that they could get a job, so that they could file their own taxes, so that they could have their own bank account and a series of things. But for the purpose of the entertainment industry, when someone like me was 15 years old and I looked a bit older, I was losing roles, roles to 18-year-old actresses and older because they could work longer hours. And because maybe if the material was a bit, uh, was a bit controversial, they would want to work with an actress that was, was over the age of 18. But if I became emancipated, then legally they would have to view me as that. So oh, can I ask you, um, though, since you – oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, even though – sure, ask me whatever you like. For me, it was a positive – it was a purely positive uh, move for my career because I was able to work more as an adult being still underage. I still lived at home with my mother and what have you. There was no problem there. It was simply for work purposes and for so I could work longer hours and I could work as an adult. But, but, but when it came to relationships, if that's what you're referring to, uh, the young men that were over 18 that would meet me and maybe want to date me, such as my fiance at this particular time, Craig Hurley, um, he, he met me at that time and he felt I was still too young. That said, if we had entered into a relationship and there had been sexual relations, it would not have been illegal because I was over 18. I'm not sure exactly where you're coming from. I was over 18 legally. But if what you're trying to say is that if two, con- two, two people consent and the girl happens to be 17 or the boy in a heterosexual relationship happens to be 17, shouldn't it be their business and shouldn't it be okay that's a it's, a it's a controversial conversation. I'm not sure what it has to do with the LGBT community, 
um, in particular and why it's a contradiction. I don't, I've never heard anyone in the LGBT community complain. I'm not saying they haven't because I'm not, I'm not completely. No, no, I I understand. I understand. No, I understand. So a couple of things here, just as a reminder, because I think people forget this a lot. It's not illegal to have sex with someone under 18. This number 18 is a made-up magical number that someone, everyone believes. In most of America, it's 16. In some states, it's 17. And in some states, it's 18. So I want to get off that number about what the law is for 18. That's the well, first you thing. Okay, you can't get off the number. You can only get off the number according to the state. If it's, yeah, if you're it's calling it off the number depending on the state. I mean, really, you have to acknowledge it in certain places. But you're no, right. No, but, no, no, I, most of America, that's that's not the case. So you're right there. Right, but 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 yeah, but but what I don't understand is, as I've said before, even if 18 was the magical number, okay, let's say all children magically became women when they turned 18. They all went physically and mentally became a woman at that age, and everyone Look, accepted 18. And, but but, but hold on, hold on. I, uh, but let me we let me have a chance way to. Faster. Yeah. Okay, and and also what I'm telling you is that I agree with you. There are women that I know that are 14 or 15 years old that could literally run the world. It it the 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 age, the the legal age that is that is that is posted and 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 uh, and agreed to by the government is because there has to be a legal age. But I have known many women who are 18. Well, if that if that was true, like it's the government. Yeah, if they're and you're right, and I'm sure you know many 20 year olds who who also are immature. We all know that. Absolutely. But then I don't get some. I don't get. This is what I don't get. You clearly pointed out that you, from your own experience, had a guy who was over 18. He was worried about jailbait and the other reasons you listed. You clearly acknowledge that there are people who are younger, who are more mature than older ones, and vice versa. Yes. Older people who are more immature. You clearly are on the same page on all the details, but. I know at the end of the day, when I asked my question, you were still saying to me basically, what does it have to do with the contradiction? And you, I, I'm pretty sure you don't think that the law should be lower than 18. Am I wrong? No, I, I don't think the law should. I, I understand the government placing 18 as an age. I, I know there's controversy to it, and I know that there's always debate. I am no longer anywhere near 18, and I don't have children, so it's not in an area that necessarily touches my life personally. But right there, you go. Right the there, just right there, right, right there. A number, but right, you know, but right there, I, that's, they have to that's, decide on a number. And by the way, eighteen is for some things, but twenty-one is for drinking and and for a series right. of things as well. So, and you can and you can uh, have a job, and you can and you can have a job at sixteen, drive a car at sixteen, and you have to rent a car when you're twenty-five. I know that, but hold on, right. if you if you agree, if you agree that if you're saying I don't think they should change a law. Then you just you're proving my point. You're on the one hand on details. You're saying, "Hey, Bobby, I agree with you on the details, but I still think it should be 18." Which means when you put it at 18, you are punishing human beings by putting them in jail. Their lives are ruined. Their reputation are ruined, and they don't have the love of who they want to be with. There is the contradiction that I called about. Well, yeah, right. Well, I can see okay. what you're saying, but I don't. I don't think. I, and I think you're right. I don't. I don't know. I don't have an argument with you on there. I think. I think you're right. But but she. Um, but she does. She does. No, I. I don't. I just. Have, uh, the only thing I, I can tell you is I that I've never heard anyone in the LGBT community complain 
about a relationship that involved a, an 18 or so and make comparisons and and be I, I don't know if you're suggesting they're hypocritical maybe yes they have. I'm saying it's a con so no I'm saying there's a contradiction if, if you're if you're saying to me that hey I don't want the law lower than 18 that's fine you can have that opinion um, if you want but I'm saying to you if you have the law at 18 again what happens human beings go to jail their reputation is ruined their lives are ruined and they can't be with who they want isn't there a contradiction on your part if you say leave it at 18 then no i don't i don't have anything to do with it it's not it, it's not it, it's not something i don't understand that I, it's not well it's not something that I, i'm i didn't create the law and she's I'm not, not advocating it, for everyone to be 18 bobby she's just saying if, it, if the law is 18 that's eight, you have to go by the law if it's 17 right. go by 17 that's whatever all. it is well, no, 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 no. I know she's not. No, 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 no. I, I know she's not saying the, that she made the law. I never made the law no. that gay people shouldn't have had marriage or anything either. But my opinion right. was gay people should be allowed to marry who they want and be with who they want. That was my opinion. So I'm not contradicting right. myself. So when she says, no, I don't I don't think the law should be lowered than 18. That was basically her point. She has a contradiction there, doesn't she? I, she hasn't I, said I that, though. Say- Okay, what I said was that I understand that the government has to put a number. If that's what you deem to be a contradiction on my part, then I apologize. I I know that what? the government, you're saying that in different states, I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that in different states it, it, consensual sex could be at 16 or 17. I think it depends on the state. I think that if you're in love with your significant other and you're underage, maybe you might need to move. I'm not sure what would happen. But there is no what, What's your opinion? What do you, do, well, then maybe I missed some, there's a lot of noise in the background. So just to make sure, do you think the law should be 18 all over America? law was 18 all over America. I don't necessarily have a strict opinion about it. I, I Like I say, I was emancipated when I was 15. So I was legally 18 when I was 15 years old. And if you are in a relationship with someone or if you're in love with someone and you want to take that step and you're underage, you might want to look at emancipation. You might want to look at moving into a state where it's consensual at, at, uh, at 15 or it's consensual at 16, or whatever solution you might find. I'm not advocating for any particular age for legal consensual sex. I'm just saying that it exists. That's all. Okay, fine. No, fair enough. Then, no, no, fair enough. Then my follow-up to that would be, I totally respect that, because that makes sense. But then but the obvious question after that is, why would you, why would you advocate two 18-year-olds but not advocate an 18- and a 17-year-old? We're I'm, not saying we I, would I, advocate that. We'd only advocate if it. I mean, if if it was illegal and someone asked an opinion, yeah. But I would never give my opinion if I didn't know about it. Um, no, I, I thought your profile on Blog Talk Radio. I I thought you guys were for LGBT. So when I said eighteen and eighteen, I meant eighteen-year-old gay guys. Why would you advocate it's okay for two eighteen-year-old gay guys, but not an eighteen-year-old and a seventeen-year-old heterosexual? Because uh, if it was I legal, I would. I would advocate for that. I don't know where, no, you're, under, not, where I, you're saying that we wouldn't advocate for that. I would no, be all no, because for it. she was right. No, no, no. But not, no, you were. No, your opinion was a little different. I'm talking about her. Her opinion was that she's not advocating for it. That's what that was her opinion. That she's not. It basically she's neither for or against it. It just depends on the law. So what I'm asking is, if if you guys are siding with LGBT, great. I'm on your side. I, 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 I nice people. Why? Why is it if it's two 18-year-olds you're on their side, but if it's a heterosexual you're not advocating for it then? 
I believe that the two 18-year-olds, and I don't want to be wrong with this statement, but the two 18-year-old homosexuals in question who are having consensual sex, that is not an illegal act in the United States of America anymore. Is that correct? It's not right, a but, matter but if of it was, If it was, if then? If it was? Mm-hmm. Oh, if it was. Are you saying that I should advocate for love? Always. If a 17-year-old right, right. is in love with her 18-year-old, boy, I think that they have to work with the law. And maybe move where it's consensual or consider emancipation, but I'm always going to advocate for love. I understand. No, no, okay, that's no. Then, then, then we're in agreement. Then I, I had the impression. I maybe again, there's a lot of noise in the background. I had the impression that you were saying I'm so sorry. that you're basic. No, it's okay. I, I had the impression that you were basically saying, and please don't quote me. It's not the exact words, but basically, hey, I'm neither for or against it. It just depends on the law, and that's it. But you are saying, if for an 18 year old and a 17 year old heterosexuals. You do advocate that they should be allowed to be with each other, right? I advocate that they should have to work with the law, but I understand two people being in love, and I wish them the very best. Okay. Would you say that same thing for the two 18-year-olds if it was illegal for them then? Absolutely. Okay. Then you're being consistent. That's, that's all I wanted to make sure was it was consistency. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's pretty well, much I'm, my, I'm my thing. So. No, it's a good, that was yeah. a good subject, Bobby. I'm glad you brought it up. I think that's, yeah, I think it's, it's something good to talk about, and it's a, it's a great subject. I think you're right. You need to be consistent in that. You can't be hypocritical, and I think you're right. right. That, and, is, and, that is absolutely and, and, true. And watch what happens, guys. I'm just going to make a prediction because, as I said, I am the greatest caller in the history of radio. Um, after I hang uh-huh. up, you are, going to, you are going to have people call in your show, possibly email you, and they're going to say the following things. What was his ulterior motive? Is he a pedophile? Does he want to have sex with children? Yada, yada, yada. It's going to be all those things. And I'm just asking everyone, whatever your opinion is, whatever random numbers you believe in about adult and childhood, just be consistent. Don't say to me that someone under 18 can have a job, drive a car, join the military. Oh, but now they can't have sex with someone. But, but if they were gay, then they can have sex, but they can't drink till they're 21, and they can't do this until they pay their own bills. There are well, a lot of look, weird a, things that people believe in. Uh, I, listen, it's a very complicated subject, and I agree with you. There's always, and I think I said that, there's controversy surrounding constantly why there are age limits for certain acts and why there are not age limits for other acts. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I didn't get the impression that you were advocating pedophilia because you were speaking specifically no. of a 17-year-old and you're knocking right. on the door of 18. I understand it. I, I would have loved for, for Craig at the time to have asked me out. He was 17. I was 20. I felt I was old enough to deal with a relationship with, with an older man, and I was actually legally able to do that. There is a stigma, and I agree with you on that, but, I mean, laws have to be respected. That I, I, I 100% agree with that, but I, I will always advocate for love, and I hope that if there's anyone out there that well, is truly in love with someone who's a little bit older, that they can work with the law and find a way to make it work. See, I don't, I don't agree with the laws have to be respected if they're morally wrong. Any law that punishes – you know, if, if they said blacks should be slaves or you know, women should be forced to have an abortion or this person well, can't have sex with this progress. person. Yeah. That's yeah, no, progress yeah, and which, prosperity. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many other can of worms there, though, Bobby, and I think you'd agree there's so many can of worms on maturity, as you said earlier. There's a lot of 21-year-olds that I don't think should be in relationships that are not mature enough. 
I really don't think people that are 14, 15 are mature. There's a lot of 17, 18s that aren't mature. It's really, like Katie says, love is love, and you have to kind of make some some determinations on there. I think you can't have someone that is their first time having sex ever and not really knowing about life at all. There's, there's so too many things out there, but you're right. Overall, right, no, 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 that's, but that's fine. No, you know, I, I, I'm on your side if you say it's controversial. I don't think it should be controversial, but it is. And I'm on your side that it's not a clear-cut case because every human being is different. All I'm asking people to do is whatever your opinion is, you can say 18, 30, 100, whatever random numbers you come up with, just be consistent. So, for example, if America believes... If America believes that 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds, you said 14 and 15, if you believe that 14 and 15-year-old girls in high school should not be having sex, then don't tell me other guys in high school who are 16, 17, and 18 can have sex with their 14, 15-year-old girlfriends then. I, I believe in consistency. All right. Well, I, I appreciate the call. I think, it's, uh, I think you brought some great points, Bobby. I appreciate it. We only have about three minutes left here, so call it again. Any other things, okay. topics you haven't talked about? I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, no. thank you. Thank you. And by the way, on a side note, uh, go Dodgers, go Lakers. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, there you go. Okay, uh, thank bye-bye. you so much, Bobby. Thank you. There you go. That was a good conversation. I, I, I have no problem it with those sure kind of was. They're, I, they're fantastic. I hope I... I hope I certainly did you and Craig show justice with handling that conversation. You did. I I mean, you guys are on the road. I I understand Bobby was having a little trouble hearing you. You were cutting out a little bit because you guys are on the road and he'll, he'll understand that because you guys are traveling right now, but I I think you did well. I think uh, it's a good subject to talk about. And like, he's right. It's uh, consistency is the key in everything. And I think that we can't be hypocrites. I have to confess. I have to confess the following. I did have some trouble understanding at first what the point was. I wasn't sure. And so once, once I did understand that and that consistency is the key, don't be hypocritical. If you're going to advocate for love in one aspect, advocate for love in another. That said, of course, we don't advocate for illegal activity because we can't do that. You know what I mean? But but that said, that said, we'll always advocate for love and we'll always advocate for, uh, for, for people being able to, because Apparently, if there's a state you can move to where it's consensual at a, at a younger age, I didn't know this, but apparently that's how it goes. Great. Or you can, you can emancipate so that you can be in a legal relationship. You're not getting your partner in trouble. Great. I think that's fantastic. Right. And I, I do advocate for love above all. Always. Well, and I looked up in Ohio. I'm here in Ohio. You guys are both in California and Ohio. He's yeah. got 100% right. It's 16 years old is the legal age. Um, it's statutory rape under 16. You know, I didn't 16. know that is the age of consent here in Ohio. So you can right go for it at 16. Well, there you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you live and learn. <laughs> but there is a lot. I mean, I've, you I've, live seen, and learn. I've read articles where certain states, if you get parents' permission, you can do it as young as 14. You can get married. I've heard. Uh, right. I've read about it. So, I mean, the, well, the law is very greatly. And I think if you stay within the law, um, you got to be consistent in your own moral things, I guess. But if you're within the law, go for it. Yeah, and All right, we have one minute to go, Katie. I, I've been very happy to have you as my co-host today. Thanks for standing on my soapbox with us. Well, thank you. I think it got a little controversial and interesting. I'm honored. Thank you for putting that, uh, for, for allowing me to take on that rather important uh, responsibility today. It was an honor. Anytime. Tell Craig we missed him and have a great visit with his daughter. We're glad you made hey, it to L.A. Hang Thanks on one again second. for Bobby on for second. calling in. 
What's that? Yeah, thank you, oh, Bobby. Gotta... Hang on, hang on, my dear. Hey, uh, so this is the end of the show, and I just wanted to say goodbye, and everybody watch out as far as the weather is concerned. Uh, the weather is nasty all over the south-southeast. And then, yeah, you should be looking at some snow, Scott. Are you there, Scott? I'm listening. I'm listening. I don't want to talk about snow. It's supposed to be 60 degrees. You don't want to talk about snow. 60 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't hear you. Um, but yeah, there's there's a bunch of uh, thunderstorms and tornadoes that everybody's got to be watching out for. So, all but right, we'll do that. Sounded well, like a good show. Sorry, I couldn't be involved. It was a great show. We had a great caller. Katie did you well. Um, have fun visiting your daughter. We will catch up tomorrow. We're about thirty seconds over. We have the Randy report coming oh, wow. in just a second. He's interviewing Lisa Gibbons, of course, from uh, uh, entertainment reporter and actually a great advocate for home health care and then it's right. uh, six o'clock we have astro kiki radio so have a great afternoon guys we're going to go right into the randy report right now you're listening to standing on my soapbox right here on left of straight radio network and i can't find my buttons there they are Woohoo! peace Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the Internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, a valedictorian at Brigham Young University came out during his graduation speech. The president of Brazil told gays not to come to his country. Disney canceled its award-winning LGBTQ-inclusive series, Andy Mack, and the 2019 Tony Award nominations are out, including a special Tony Award for Judith Light for her LGBTQ advocacy. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Earlier this week, I reported on some shady shenanigans by Republican operatives who attempted to smear Democratic presidential contender Mayor Pete Buttigieg by alleging false accusations of sexual assault. The allegations were made in the name of Hunter Kelly, a Michigan college student, a Republican, and a Trump supporter. But more details have come into light about the right-wing trolls who actually plotted the scheme. Hunter Kelly tells the Daily Beast that he'd been communicating with known hoaxer Jacob Wall for several weeks. But last week, Wall invited Kelly to the home of Jack Berkman in Baltimore to discuss gathering dirt on Mayor Pete as part of a task force set up by the Trump administration, they told him. Wall and partner Jack Berkman apparently paid for Kelly's airline ticket to Baltimore and picked him up shortly after midnight. According to a statement posted on his Facebook, Kelly says the two revealed a draft of an article that was to be posted on Medium accusing Buttigieg of sexually assaulting Kelly. Kelly says he wasn't feeling comfortable about the idea, duh, but Wall told him to sleep on it as they'd been talking until 4 a.m. When Kelly woke the next morning, 
Wool allegedly informed the Michigan College student that the article had already been posted in Kelly's name. Berkman apparently told Kelly that he was a star and people were eating him up. After a lunch of Subway sandwiches, specifically, Kelly writes that he was feeling regretful about the lie, but was told that the article already posted, so turning back on what had been published would look bad. Because lying always looks bad. Kelly asserts that Berkman promised to buy him, quote, any house I wanted to stay involved with the scam. It was during those discussions that Kelly says he was pressured into signing a script about the fake sexual assault, which they decided they would say took place in February at the, quote, fancy Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C. Kelly's statement goes on to say he spent the next hours dodging, quote, hate mail and reporters left and right, while getting dozens of texts from friends and family asking why the media was contacting them. He eventually escaped, his word, from Berkman's home by faking a nap and calling his family to come pick him up. When he was informed that his family had arrived, Kelly says he rushed downstairs and left, saying he couldn't take part in the scheme because, quote, that is not the type of person I am. Kelly adds that Wohl posted more fake tweets on a new Twitter account Wohl and Berkman had created, where Kelly appeared distraught. Now, this isn't Berkman and Wohl's first trip to the fake scandal rodeo, folks. Last year, the duo were accused of planning a busted scheme where they tried to pay a woman large sums of money to falsely accuse special counsel Robert Mueller of sexually harassing her in the 1970s in an effort to discredit Mueller. That little escapade didn't go any better than this. Additionally, the Daily Beast reports a second man has come forward saying Berkman and Wall approached him about a similar scheme. He says he not only met with the two, but recorded the conversation. The Daily Beast confirms they've heard the recording. Kelly says he traveled to meet with the conservative provocateurs with the intention of, quote, seeing what legitimate dirt we could get on Buttigieg. In his statement, he says he was never in Washington, D.C. in February, never met Buttigieg, and never been a victim of sexual assault. He adds at the end of his statement, Jack Berkman may have promised me a lavish lifestyle, but at a price that would cost me the two most important things to me, honesty and integrity. Had I gone forward with this despicable scheme they concocted, I would have lost both of those things and became another one of their useless pawns. Kelly also calls Woolman and Berkman, quote, the real danger to our country. In response, Berkman alleges it was Kelly who reached out to him to meet. Berkman posted a copy of the signed script along with a photo of Kelly holding his ID with the caption, one, very first thing Hunter Kelly did is sign a statement attesting to his accusation. Two, he was in full control of all public disclosures even taking a selfie with his ID to confirm his identity to Medium. Berkman also tweeted, referencing Kelly as his former client, who was, quote, pressured out of telling his truth. Mm -hmm. In related Mayor Pete news, a new Quinnipiac poll shows 70% of voters, including a plurality of Republicans, are willing to vote for a gay president, although 23% say they would not. But... When asked if they think the United States is ready for a gay president, only 36% said yes, while 53% said
said no. Tim Malloy, assistant director for Quinnipiac, said, quote, The good news for Mayor Pete Buttigieg is that voters seem ready to accept a gay man as president. The bad news for Buttigieg is that voters believe it just isn't going to happen. A valedictorian at Brigham Young University came out as gay during his graduation speech last week. Matt Easton, a political science whiz, slam poet, practicing Mormon, and in the words of his faculty advisor, quote, a gem of a human being, addressed a packed assembly hall saying, I stand before my family, friends, and graduating class today to say that I am proud to be a gay son of God. I am not broken. I am loved and important in the plan of our great creator. Each of us are. As the audience broke into cheers, he continued saying, Four years ago, it would have been impossible for me to imagine that I would come out to my entire college. It's a phenomenal feeling, and it is a victory for me in and of itself. Easton later took to Twitter to share that he had come out to his closest family and friends over the last couple of years, but he had not been out publicly prior to his speech. He praised the college for having given him the foundation to tackle challenges, both spiritual and secular, as well as supporting his faith. Though openly LGBTQ students may attend BYU, its restrictive honor code forbids, quote, homosexual behavior and, quote, all forms of physical intimacy that give expression to homosexual feelings, end quote. Acting on these feelings can, and often does, result in expulsion from Brigham Young University. While speaking to reporters last week, Brazil's homophobic far-right president said that LGBTQ tourists should keep out of the South American country. Speaking to The Guardian, President Jair Bolsonaro said, If you want to come here and have sex with a woman, go for your life. But we can't let this place become known as a gay tourism paradise. Brazil can't be a country of the gay world, of gay tourism. We have families. Now, a lot of gay tourists travel to Brazil every year, especially for explicitly pro-gay and other gay-friendly events like Sao Paulo's annual LGBTQ Pride Parade and Rio de Janeiro's Carnival. John Tanzella, president of the International LGBTQ Travel Association, said in a statement to Reuters, quote, Bolsonaro's homophobic remarks will have social and economic repercussions for Brazil. His hate speech not only deters LGBTQ travelers, but also their allies around the world, end quote. Homophobic statements like this are nothing out of the ordinary for Bolsonaro, who campaigned on a completely anti-gay, anti-black, anti-indigenous, anti-woman platform last year. The president has often said that the Brazilian family unit is threatened by queer people and that the community's gender ideology is a danger to children. When asked about his positions, he often said, yes, I'm homophobic and proud of it. Since taking office in January, Bolsonaro has stripped LGBTQ concerns from Brazil's human rights ministry's agenda and taken steps to remove queer content from school curriculum. Despite all this, he retains the support of many world leaders, including President Donald Trump. According to Billboard magazine, Taylor Swift toppled multiple YouTube records with the debut of her new music video, 
Me, featuring Panic at the Disco's Brendan Urie. According to a press release from YouTube sent on Saturday, Swift's Me video, which is very LGBTQ inclusive, garnered a record-breaking 65.2 million views within the first 24 hours of its release on April 26th. YouTube confirms that this feat makes Swift the solo and female artist with the biggest 24-hour debut on YouTube to date. Swift currently counts more than 33 million subscribers on her official YouTube channel, which makes her one of just eight musicians who have over 30 million subscribers. Swift recently upped her LGBTQ ally cred by donating over $100,000 to a Tennessee LGBTQ rights group. Andy Mack, the Disney Channel show that features an out gay teen and earned the network a fair number of firsts, has been canceled. The tween dramedy series, third and final season, will air this summer. The series rose to prominence in 2017 when a 13-year-old character, Cyrus Goodman, played by Joshua Rush, told his friends Andy and Buffy that he had feelings for Andy's boyfriend, Jonah. That moment kicked off what would become an ongoing coming out storyline, noteworthy for the character's young age. What was equally notable was that it had the Disney stamp of approval, a clear sign of changing times. When he first inched out of the closet, Cyrus said, I feel weird, different. To which his friend Buffy said, Cyrus, you've always been weird, but you're no different. You'll be okay, I promise. And then in February of this year, another first. Cyrus said the words, I'm gay, becoming the first Disney character ever to say those words. At a memorial for his grandmother, Cyrus found the courage to come out while describing the food at the event. He said, that's gefilte fish, skip that, and I'm gay. After a pause, Jonah, his former crush, replied, yeah, okay, cool. Series creator and executive producer Terry Minsky said, quote, Andy Mack was a labor of love for a room of impassioned inventive writers a talented and dedicated crew, and an extraordinary, miraculous cast who inspired us all. We had the honor of breaking a lot of new ground for Disney Channel. We were the first serialized show, its first series centered around an Asian-American family, and its first to feature an LGBTQ character who spoke the words, I'm gay. But the best part of making Andy Mack was our audience, who let us know we mattered to them. The series finale is for them. Andy Mack was by all accounts a success on the network, even becoming the most watched show at one point. It's also the highest rated series for ages 6 to 14. The show also received several awards along the way, such as Television Academy Honors, a Glad Media Award, a U.S. Asia Institute Honor, the Common Sense Media Seal for Quality Family Programming, and a Peabody Award nomination. And speaking of canceled, Empire will be back for a sixth season on Fox TV, but it sounds like Jussie Smollett will likely not be back with it. Smollett was written out of the final two episodes of the fifth season after being accused of faking an attack he claimed happened to him in January in Chicago. Charges were dropped by the city of Chicago, but both his future with the show and the show's future had been in question, and fellow cast members wrote an open letter to Fox asking for Smollett 
to be brought back. Now with news that the show itself will return for season six, Fox has issued a statement confirming there are currently no plans for Smollett's return. Quote, by mutual agreement, the studio has negotiated an extension to Jussie Smollett's option for season six, but at this time, there are no plans for the character of Jamal to return to Empire. The nominations for the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, celebrating excellence in live Broadway theater, were announced this morning, with Anais Mitchell's Greek myth-inspired musical, Town leading the pack with 14 nominations. The jukebox musical inspired by the music of The Temptations, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of The Temptations, scored 12 nods, and the musical adaptation of Tootsie garnered 11 nominations. The Prom, a groundbreaking musical comedy about a Midwestern high school student who's told she can't bring her lesbian girlfriend to the prom, received seven nominations, including Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score, Best Director, Best Leading Actor, and two for Best Leading Actress in a Musical. The musical stage adaptation of the hit film Beetlejuice rounds out the Best Musical category. The Cher Show which chronicles the life and music of the one and only Cher, was shut out of the Best Musical category, but did receive three nominations, including Best Leading Actress in a Musical, Best Costumes in a Musical, and Best Lighting Design for a Musical. Over on the play side of things, Choir Boy, a coming-of-age story that follows a gay choir leader at a boarding school for black men by Moonlight's Terrell Alvin McCraney received five nominations, including Best Play and Best Leading Actor in a Play for Jeremy Pope. Also nominated for Best Play are The Ferryman, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, Inc., and What the Constitution Means to Me. Two acclaimed LGBTQ-themed productions, The Boys in the Band and Torch Song, were nominated for Best Revival of a Play. Even though Boys had an all-star cast, only Robin DeJesus scored a nomination for his performance. Additionally, Judith Light will be honored with the Isabel Stevenson Award, which is given to, quote, an individual from the theater community who has made a substantial contribution of volunteered time and effort on behalf of one or more humanitarian social service or charitable organizations, regardless of whether such organizations relate to the theater. Already a two-time Tony Award winner for Other Desert Cities and The Assembled Parties, Light will receive the honorary award for her decades of work on behalf of the LGBTQ community and HIV-AIDS advocacy. In a statement, Light said, the HIV-AIDS and LGBTQ communities are inspirations and demonstrations of how to be and live in the world, courageous, honorable, and uplifting. They inspire me, and it is my privilege to be of service to them. I am humbled by this recognition from my theater family, who I so respect, honor, and love. Make sure you tune in to CBS on June 9th, as the 73rd Annual Tony Awards will be hosted by The Late Late Show's James Corden. You can find a full list of nominations at, where else, therandyreport.com. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, 
I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing the Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the Internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.
But if this were a love song There wouldn't be so many tears I wouldn't be sleeping all along Cause you would still be here And if I hadn't lost you I wouldn't be lifting all the things that I did wrong If this were a love song Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. In this episode of The Randy Report, I'll be joined by my good friend and senior caregiver advocate, Lisa Gibbons, to talk about the demands of aging and specifically the challenges that LGBT seniors face. A new study by the National Institutes of Health shows widespread concern about safe options for accessing high-quality health care and long-term care. But with an estimated 2.4% of the older population self-identifying as LGBT, where will those folks find care and caregivers? That's the topic today on The Randy Report. Let's face it, folks, in addition to the demands of aging, which everyone faces, LGBT seniors face their own unique challenges. According to the AARP, in the United States, about 80% of long-term care for older people is provided by family members such as spouses, children, and other relatives. But LGBT seniors are only half as likely as their heterosexual counterparts to have close family to lean on for help. In light of that, many elder gays often rely heavily on the services of professional health care providers like doctors, pharmacists, hospitals, and nursing home staff. But without in-depth training, those professionals may be uncomfortable with or even hostile towards LGBT seniors. So let's take that forward. Many LGBT seniors may choose to delay seeking care until their health deteriorates and crisis hits, because they may be afraid of mistreatment, harassment, or hostility from healthcare professionals and aging providers. For the most part, service providers rarely reach out to the LGBT community, and few are trained regarding sensitivity or recognizing discrimination aimed at LGBT seniors. Studies show that 40% of LGBT older people feel that their support networks become smaller over time. Compare that to 27% of non-LGBT people. As such, many LGBT seniors experience higher rates of social isolation. They're twice as likely to be single and to live alone, and three times to four times as likely to be childless. They're also less likely to feel welcome in the places where many older people socialize, 
such as senior centers, volunteer centers, and places of worship. So where do those folks find support? So today I'm joined by my friend Lisa Gibbons, Emmy Award-winning host, New York Times best-selling author, and winner of the 2015 season of Celebrity Apprentice. Lisa became a huge advocate for senior care and caregivers after her mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. It was that very personal experience that led Lisa to commit herself to raising awareness for Alzheimer's and her work with caregivers and seniors through such partnerships as the one she has with senior helpers. She's here today to tell us more about that, give us tips for caregivers, share her path to success, and how optimism, one of my favorite things, folks, is her driving force. In addition to her mother's Alzheimer's, her father suffered a severe heart attack in recent years and fell to the ground. He survived. He's of strong stock. But the episode reminded Lisa to take a new look at care for seniors through fresh eyes. As Lisa says, look, we're all aging. My dad's recent heart attack was my wake-up call that no one is invincible to the march of time. But never has there been a better time to redefine what that means and see it through another lens. I'm so happy to welcome to the Randy Report the fabulous Lisa Gibbons. Thank you, Randy. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. You're literally one of my favorite people because two things. One, you always have a smile on your face. You're always upbeat. And I am so aware that when I sit down to talk with you, you listen so much more than you talk. You truly are this wonderful, wonderful listener. And in, a, and in the world of Hollywood where I've met, I know so many actors, so many directors, and you say, so how are you? And 30 minutes later, they're still reading you their resume. <laughs> You're so much more interested in people and their day-to-day and their moment-to-moment, and that's always struck me. That's a lovely compliment. You're so sweet. Well, first of all, it's just because you're interesting, Randy. That's all. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> You're very sweet. I want to talk to you about your work with seniors because it's very, very important. I don't think a lot of people are aware of the work that goes into when we arrive at our parents' senior years or possibly our own senior years. We really don't think about it a lot. And in that, we don't think about the caregivers. I th- I, if anything, when we think about senior years, we think about ourselves and will I have Social Security or investments or retirement funds. But the actual years, the day-to-day, kind of gets lost in all of that. And you do a lot of work with this. It started with your mother, your beautiful mother, who passed away from Alzheimer's. And then as You've done this work. It's kind of spread into work for all seniors. Can you talk about that a moment? Uh, Well, thank you for the question, and I would love to. And this is where I get chatty because, Randy, it has become my passion. You know, I formed a a foundation called Lisa's Care Connection, created in the world what we wish we'd had when my mother got Alzheimer's disease. And I realized, oh, my gosh, wait a minute, what? I'm a caregiver? What is that? What does that even mean? Because, you know, we are the sons and daughters and husbands and wives, and no one sends you a greeting card to say, hey, great job, congratulations. It's your first day of being a caregiver. Good luck with that. Right. We sort of just go through kind of silently and wondering, now what? Now what do I do? And so that was our focus was to help people answer that question. So along the way, um, you know, I became sort of this, de facto person who began to uncover ways to manage it and ways to navigate. And that's what took me to senior helpers. So they're one of the largest in-home providers of care companions. So you've got the family caregivers, 
These folks are the people on the professional side where you can say, all right, look, I need somebody to check in on mom and dad. I live maybe, you know, 15 minutes away or maybe I live 1,500 miles away and I need a peace of mind visit. So they can do that. Or maybe you need somebody to help with after a surgery and somebody is recovering and you need help in that rehab phase or you need help around the clock. They're also the experts in Alzheimer's and dementia, which is a particular, it's a special skill, right? So they're the experts at knowing how to help you figure out the next steps in that journey. It's a difficult one. Well, it's interesting you bring this up about senior helpers, because one of the things that really interests me is the fact that as an advocate for LGBT people, LGBT seniors don't always have the support they need because often they don't have children or perhaps they don't have the familial support of their families because maybe their families didn't support them being LGBT. Mm-hmm. And so you arrive at your senior years, maybe, maybe you're married, maybe you have a significant other, maybe you're single. And I just imagine, what do we do? What do we do? And we need someone to be there. So it never occurred to me that there would be a company that was actually, when I think of senior help in the past, in the past few years, when I would think about caregivers, I would think about medical or hospice or or something that was really medically based. But I didn't really think about, you know, having someone that I could call for helping me maybe run errands or helping me get things done around the house or or people who do have training specifically in medical situations. But is that some is that what senior helpers can do? Is is there a wide range or does it need to be medically based or I love the question because you're right. They can help you with like meals. They can take you grocery shopping. They can um, run errands. Um, They can help with organization. They can help with mobility. If you just say, I need things out of the attic and it's not safe for me to climb up the attic. I need help around the yard and I'm worried I'm going to throw my back out. Whatever those things are, because you and I both know you've got your bio family, you've got this biological family, then you've got your logical family. There's your family of choice and your family Maybe they're not always the ones that are going to show up for you or the ones that you can count on. Or maybe maybe you don't even have family, and that's a lot of people. And you're right. In the LGBTQ community, it's more complicated often. And this is a great resource. It's relationships that you get to customize. So it's like think about interviewing either for yourself or for your mom or dad or for your significant other or your life partner. You get to interview someone to say, Do I, you know, if I'm going to have you come over to my house twice a week, do I really want to play with you? Do I like you as my assistant? Do I like you as my helper? And it's a relationship you get to choose. That's kind of cool, too. That is kind of cool because, you know, a lot of fears for LGBT people is that you might get assigned some kind of of nurse. If you go through people who don't have training, for instance, maybe they have medical training, but they don't have training on how to deal with the the interpersonal connections that we have to have with caregivers. I know LGBT people who have had caregivers or nurses or something who really made clear kind of their disdain for or, or disapproval of gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual people. And that just adds more stress mentally and physically to to a senior coping with their lives on a day-to-day basis. And so the idea that there is someplace we could go, I I was reading a bit about senior helpers, and that that they are trained across a broad spectrum of issues to be able to cope with different people, because every community has its own needs and wants and special issues. And so that really appeals to me, knowing that, that someone's actually addressed these issues. 
Well, and that's actually, you know, whatever your particular concerns are and whatever your needs are, those are needs and concerns that are valuable and significant. And that's what, when you call at seniorhelpers.com, that's what you're calling about. Hey, look, here's what's important to me. I need you to connect me with someone who is going to value and care about the things that I care about. I remember when when we were bringing people in to talk with mom, Uh, my mom had Alzheimer's disease, so this is a different scenario, but we would bring people in and if they would not look directly at my mom and talk with her, it's like, okay, next you're out. If they were ignoring my mother and just talking to me because I was the one who was actually doing the hiring, I knew they weren't someone who was respectful of that relationship. They're just things that, you know, so you're so right, Randy. You know, helper is the the key word here. They do customize relationships. They do offer services across a wide spectrum. This has been my passion for a long time is just to say, look, my mantra is breathe, believe, receive. We are stronger when we recognize our limits. I think our greatest humanity is when we can open up and say, I can't do this alone. I really need some help here. And when we are vulnerable and we let somebody else into our lives, that's when we kind of gain, I think, our greatest strength. I, oh, I agree. Completely agree. Speaking of strength, your win on Celebrity Apprentice was significant to me for, for many reasons, mainly because I'm one of those guys that loves it when a nice guy wins or nice gal. Uh, and you thanks. prove that. You prove that you don't have to be a shark. You don't have to be, you know, one of those people on Survivor who has to stab someone. That, I mean, you truly won with optimism. As a matter of fact, you wrote the book on that, Fierce Optimism. You were literally the embodiment of that on the show. And you taught the, I, th- I think you taught the country that, yes, you can be a good guy and win. And I think that's so important. Well, you're so nice to say that. I, you know, I don't know if, um, I think I just walked my talk and, and you are who you are in every situation. I think that under stress, you know, we become more of, of who we are and all I knew how to do was work. I didn't, you know, I'm not that great at creating drama. I tend to just try to figure out a way out of it. <laughs> and so, so in a show that's known for turning up the heat and it's, and I love it as much as anybody as a viewer, it wasn't authentic to me. So my um, natural inclination was, okay, let me see, you know, let me try to strengthen my strengths, which was to work hard. And let me try to help everybody else figure out how to get where they wanted to go as well. I got lucky. I really had a burning desire to get to the end so that I could bring attention and money to put the focus on family caregivers and honor my mother and other families like ours um, who had walked this very difficult path of struggling with Alzheimer's disease and trying to learn as a family how to adapt to it. So that was that's what got me there. Gosh, it was so much fun and it was really hard. And I I was inspired during that to uh, to write this book because people dismissed me. They went, oh, she's she's a cakewalk. She's such a pushover. She's so she's so nice. We'll just <laughs> run right over her. But that's a mistake when people write off others thinking that nice means weak. It really doesn't. You know, you're very nice, and you're one of the strongest people that I know. Thank you. When you won, it just sent me over the moon. And then when I got this book, Fierce Optimism, by the way, folks, you can find Fierce Optimism on Amazon. Go buy the book by Lisa Gibbons, Fierce Optimism, because it really does 
put the focus on, on what positive thinking and what positive outlook can do for your life and that you don't have to fall back into the dark thoughts that, that, that people sometimes have. And you took your money and you really did walk the walk. You, you took your winnings from Celebrity Apprentice and used it to help seniors and caregivers, which I think is very important, circling around to the beginning of this conversation. Well, thank you. I, um, I was so thrilled to be able to do that. It was really a dream come true for me to, um, to do our work um, with Lisa's Care Connection and to open up in my hometown where my dad is now one of our biggest advocates. He's the one that taught me resilience. You know, I think mm-hmm. optimism really is just your ability to, to bounce back and fight back, to know that you can rebound and recover from things. That's a core value that I learned from my parents. So whether you lose a job or you, you know, get out of a relationship or there's a a diagnosis in your family or there's death, all the things that we deal with in our lives, um, it's our ability to rebound from that and to know that you're going to be able to show resilience in the face of that pain. That's what optimists do. And you just keep moving forward because that's where we're going. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having time to chat. I really appreciate it. I want the listeners to know you can find more information about Senior Helpers at simply SeniorHelpers.com. And I want you all to follow Lisa at LisaGibbons.com or find her on Facebook at the official Lisa Gibbons or Twitter Lisa Gibbons. It's also easy. You make it easy for us. None of these odd titles or anything in your social media. <laughs> I love it. I love when you have to figure out what what is their handle on Twitter. Anyway. I know. <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa, and thank you for the work that you're doing for seniors and for caregivers. It's so important, and I really appreciate it, and for your fierce optimism. Uh, you're the best. Love you, Randy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye, honey. As I bring this episode of The Randy Report to a close, two important websites to check out. First, as Lisa mentioned, SeniorHelpers.com. Whether you're looking for professionally trained caregivers for Alzheimer's, dementia, or Parkinson's, or if you or seniors you know need help with companionship, help with hobbies, general shopping and errands, transportation, help with housekeeping perhaps, or personal care, personal hygiene, medication reminders, diet monitoring, you can find help at SeniorHelpers.com. Second, head over to SageUSA.com. That's the official website for services and advocacy for GLBT elders, SAGE. It's the country's largest and oldest organization dedicated to improving the lives of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender seniors. Founded in 1978 and headquartered in New York City, SAGE is the national organization that offers supportive services and consumer resources for LGBT older adults and their caregivers. They advocate for public policy changes that address the needs of LGBT seniors. And they provide training for aging providers and LGBT organizations largely through its National Resource Center on LGBT Aging. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. Remember, you can subscribe to The Randy Report on iTunes And that way you'll never miss a single episode. And you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. See you next time.
Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Hello, all of my cosmic star-crossed lovers. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to May. We are excited for an entire new season here with all sorts of astrological magic and goodies just for you. My name is Kyle Thomas, and I am a pop culture astrologer. We have an excellent show planned today where we are going to talk about some astrology forecast that's happening here, some celebrity entertainment, as well as a god who is a guest here today. We will dive right into that shortly. And now I would love for us to talk to our co-hosts here. My name is Aaron. I'm an astro coach living in Los Angeles. And I'm ready to talk some astrology. Hey guys, I'm Sam Davidson, uh, entertainment news journalist, red carpet reporter, pop culture expert, all things entertainment. I know it all. And I would like to introduce our special guest, Clark Moore. Thank you so much for being here, Clark. Thanks for having me. So you guys might know Clark from the amazing movie Love, Simon, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and the new Netflix show Huge in France. Um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Huge in France are both now available on Netflix. He is extremely talented, and your star has risen so much over the past couple of years. I mean, what's that been like for you? Did it happen very fast? Thank you. It's been, I mean, for me, I, you know, I want everything to happen immediately, so it feels slow, but uh, relatively speaking, things have been going really well over the past couple of years, so I'm very grateful. What is the most surprising thing that you think has happened to you over over the past couple of years? Uh, the fact that I'm working at all has been a surprise. It's been nice, a, a welcome surprise, um, but it's been continuous, which is great. So I'm just hoping that it continues. I think so. And obviously you guys can all hear us right now, but we'll post his photo on Instagram and just look him up and you'll think to yourself, oh, that guy. I've seen him <laughs> in so many things. That's me. Yeah, that is you. Well, we are going to be getting into everything about you in just a little bit. But before then, we want to get into our weekly forecast with the two boys. Absolutely. 
So there's two things that we want to jump on this coming week. As we were talking about last week, we are now in Taurus season because we bang, married, and killed some Taurus last week, and that was fun. <laughs> uh, we, this week, we have a new moon in Taurus on May 4th. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about that? So this new moon is wonderful. Um, we just experienced Pluto and Saturn retrograde, so anything new you want to, any sort of new intentions, goals, or anything you want, to, anything you want to um, begin, this new moon is going to be a wonderful time to plant those seeds of intention, especially now that the retrogrades are in effect, and you will be redefining, restructuring um, boundaries and, and, and reputations for yourself. And, and the Taurus new moon is in very harmony with, is in strong harmony with them. It's very Earth energy. So you can especially think about tangible, earthly um, things you wish to manifest for the next lunar the next lunar month, but also the next six months, culminating at the Taurus full moon come Scorpio season. Totally. One of the things that I think is really beautiful about this this moon. So as astrologers, we do obviously look ahead to kind of cast the the cosmic weather, if if you will, uh, to see what is ahead, and then kind of see which battles you know must be approached, but ultimately that lead us to a higher level of consciousness and happiness in our lives. This is one of the best new moons of the entire year, and I'm so grateful because we've been going through so many storms lately, and I mean, Sam, how, like, how, have, how have they been feeling for you? <laughs> oh, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, it has been really weird a lot of really good things have been happening for me, especially in my career, but mentally and emotionally, I've kind of been a hot mess, and I've been very afraid of success. I don't really understand why. I've been kind of digging up old grudges that mm -hmm. I have held on to, but kind of put in a box and put them away, and now all of a sudden, I'm dreaming about these people I'm angry about. I wake up angry, and I mean, I'm being given all these amazing opportunities, and I'm really, I'm like yelling at myself, what is wrong with you? Stop this behavior. And I, I asked the boys, I was like, what is going on with me? Well, one thing that, about this actually with this new moon uh, is that Neptune is going to be playing with the new moon. And it's going to be putting a focus on healing our relationships, expanding our relationships. So there are some people that are going to be deepening their connection with, with other people, you know, whether that be intimately, romantically, creatively, you know, and, and allowing that process of release to happen and and I do think that that's something to highlight but yeah. also this is a good time for meditation or you know really focusing on our sensitive needs because Neptune rules that 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 deep deep area of of our lives and our emotions and so yeah I mean could you talk a little about that too yeah so Neptune we're dealing with with psychic and spiritual sensitivity so you're in your dream Neptune rules dreams so in your dream world you're seeing these people because it's, it's wanting you to review so you can truly release and let go of whatever mm. you're holding on to. Um, Neptune is currently home in Pisces and will be oh. there for a very long time. Clark, oh. our, our dear friend, Pisces, double Pisces, Pisces moon and sun. Yeah, I've been um, having some dreams. I've been having very vivid, I bet. Yes, and, and retreading old territory for sure. Yeah, yeah me as well. Um, I just thought this was supposed to be an uh, easier time. Because Mercury retrograde literally mm. tore us all to pieces. I, I think I can speak for most of the population on, <laughs> on that one. Well, the thing about, you know, looking at the stars is that we obviously have certain different transits. When, when let's say, 
you know, one of the next things that we were going to talk about is that Mercury, the planet of communication, business, you know, writing, all of that kind of technology, it's going to be going into Taurus on the 6th. So, you know, as astrologers, we look at the different cycles and patterns that are happening, but also when planets are not working well together, we can actually forecast that so you may see that there's a problem in your relationship, yeah. sir. Yeah. Well, and, and right now with Mercury, um, since like Kyle said, it goes into Taur- Taurus next week. It's now challenging Saturn and Pluto, who just retrograded in Capricorn. So there's a challenge with our mental energy. So even though we, we passed that um, Mercury retrograde, which also brought up a lot of this relationship stuff mm-hmm. to the surface, but until we truly let go, and that is a lot of what Pisces energy has to do, it's the last sign, mm-hmm. letting go. And now it's in challenge with these other two planets that are, are forcing us to redefine and, and transform and restructure. We have to really overcome the, the mental barriers that are holding us back. Um, and with Aries too, it, Aries is fiery. It's, it's very direct. Um, but and can get very angry. And it's all about the self. Capricorn has to do with you know your reputation, how you see yourself in the world. Um, and, and the structures of society, so and and like fame and all these other things. So, but all, it can also be a placement of of those serious relationships that have to do with reputation mm. or or placements mm-hmm. of where you have to overcome that, and especially that aggression that can come out between the angles of, of Capricorn and Aries. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you say that too because I've told you guys this off air, but last week I had just a very amazing experience. I covered a red carpet, and you know it's very easy in this industry to think that you are ignored, that no one knows who you are, that you know yeah. who everyone is, mm. and they don't know you. And there was this one night that everyone was like Sam Davidson, Sam Davidson. They knew my name, were giving me all these compliments, and I literally pinched myself. I was like, mm-hmm. Am I in a weird dream? And then the next day I got the nicest email from a publicist telling me what a bright light I was and how good I was at my job and. I was it, it almost made me uncomfortable to be I mean I was mm. so happy I sent it to my mom and all that stuff but like it's so I'm being recognized in this way but I'm just not used to it so I'm sure other people out there can relate to that I hope so definitely mm. and, and a lot of times too we resist and are almost scared of success um, and success would fall under that Capricorn energy and we have to allow ourselves to have it though and stop being our own worst enemy and and preventing ourselves from having, achieving that and taking that conscious effort, which is what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what a lot of the power of astrology is conscious awareness of your patterns, your energies, where things are at, and how you can overcome what is going on. So we're going through a, a thing where you're having to redefine and, re- and restructure your your mental world. But, uh, collectively, that's what we're doing um, with the energies. But also, Venus is going to go through this area in like a week or two time mm-hmm. before entering Taurus as well. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, this is when we'll also really be addressing these relationship things and um, coming up because Venus rules a lot of that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. So just kind of just tapping off with Mercury in Taurus, you know, everyone's going to start to notice that collectively, you know, you may want to be more practical in how you're focusing on you know, the the day-to-day things that are going on in your life, you know, really trying to ground ourselves in a way that we are looking at our senses and and communicating in order to bring more prosperity into our lives. So you'll probably notice that starting to really take effect from the 6th until the 21st, and then we will watch Mercury dance on elsewhere. Yes, well, and and with, to add on to what Kyle was saying, um, in Taurus, it will be easier to tangibly build 
um, and manifest what you've been putting into action in this Aries energy. Um, it's Taurus. We're on a Taurus, a Taurus planet. It's very earthly. It's fixed Earth. We can see some amazing results through that slow and steady, very um, methodical Hi. <laughs> a little cat jumped up here. Yes. Aries himself. <laughs> All right. Well, unless there's anything else to contribute for the forecast, we are going to get into my favorite part, which is the celebrity pop culture stories of the week. Um, these are some of the most buzzworthy, talked about stories with different celebrities. Our first story is Megan Fox files to dismiss divorce from Brian Austin Green years after getting back together. So Megan Fox, everyone knows her, is like one of the hottest women in the entire world. Brian Austin Green hasn't been in stuff in a while. He's now known to younger people as essentially her husband. Um, but I've been re-binging OG Beverly Hills 90210. Let me just tell you, he is more than just her husband. But they have had a very tumultuous relationship. So I'm just going to give you guys kind of a breakdown of where they have come from and where they are now. So they've been on and off for literally over a decade and Megan originally filed for divorce in December of 2015 after 11 years together, five of which they were married, and then they reconciled about a year later, and she revealed that she was pregnant with her third with their third child, who was born in August of 2016. Since the split um, and very informal reconciliation, the two have avoided public appearances together until last month when they were looking very cozy when a photographer saw them walking in L.A., and Green, uh, Brian Austin Green, actually has his own podcast, and he recently spoke about marriage and love and how sometimes things don't work out, but, you know, right now he is in a very happy marriage, and they are working it out, and he's even open to having another child with her. And uh, this past week on Thursday, Megan Fox made it official. She officially filed papers to dismiss the divorce proceedings. So things are looking up, and I hope that they continue to look up. That said, I, I don't want to say things that I don't necessarily know, but there have been rumors about Brian Austin Green being extremely controlling, um, and I'm sure we will get into that possibly with their mm -hmm. signs. Um, Megan's sign, what is Megan's sign? She's a Taurus sun, yeah. Capricorn rising, Leo moon. And mm -hmm. Brian. He is a Cancer sun, Libra rising, Capricorn moon. Okay, so let's talk about kind of their compatibility if these dates in these years like match up to what's been going on with their relationship. Well, technically... Taurus and Cancer are super compatible, so they flow together naturally really well. You know, when I was really learning astrology, one of the things that I was kind of stu stuck with me from Susan Miller specifically was that, you know, Earth, you have the seeds, they blend together with water to make flowers. So they tend to grow really well together and, and, and complement each other. So, you know, that is, you know, really, really important there. Uh, also... He is really drawn to her rising sign because it is on the house of partnership for him. And, and so that, you know, again, is, there's this an intense draw. Uh, however, looking at, you know, just kind of where their relationship has been, they have been going through, they're now going into eclipse cycles with, that are hitting their identity and their house of partnership. And then last year, there was a very significant focus on 
love and romance and marriage for both of them because of different planets that were affecting it. So Jupiter is the planet of good luck and good fortune, miracles, it kind of opens doors for us. It was gracing through Scorpio most of 2018. This created for Megan a big focus on healing and resurrecting her relationship in her marriage sector. So that was really, really crucial at that time. However, the way it works for him is that it was actually focusing on bringing back to life his love life and romantically. So that's you know what was literally happening. And then on top of all of that, Venus was retrograde, which was shaking up all of this, you know, having them reassess their commitments and their love lives, and then also divinely reconnecting them. Uh, the last thing I will just notice about this is, and then, you know, I feel like that really kind of touches on what everything I saw here, is that, however, with Brian being a Libra rising, he has had Uranus, the planet of, of chaos and, like, you know, radical change and shaking things up across the sky from him in Aries for the last seven years. Well, it's left that place so that the tumultuous, you know, back and forth and chaos that was going on in his important relationships is now done. Oh, good. What else? Do you see anything else uh, from that? I mean, just looking further at their compatibility, um, their their Marses are, her Mars is in Capricorn, his, 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 his is in Aries, um, they, that's a challenge uh, for them right there. Um, just big fights or arguments. Mm-hmm. Probably even sexually, probably. Sometimes. Sexually, yeah. yeah. There can be some frustration. Kind of, of just imagining it. It's probably very hot. I, I know prob- it's probably I mean, not healthy, but, you know, well, very sexy. Ar- Aries and Capricorn are amazing spots to have Mars in. Um, two of the best spots, actually, to have Mars. So there's definitely um, some friction, but there's also an understanding, and that friction can, and can be turned into extreme passion. Um, however, also looking, they have their Saturns opposite each other. So they um, have a they're, the way they show up in the world is is opposite, and and, and there's a, a conflict of of the the authority in their life, and, and a pool of one wanting to be in charge, and the other one want to be in charge probably. Um, but they also I mean, that's kind of hot. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, but also looking, there's some calculated points that they have. Um, in alignment with each other. So they have a very strong pull, and, and I would say that they're very deep soulmates, if not twin flames, which can also explain mm-hmm. the um, the constant back and forth and pull um, of, of there being a tension, but there needing to be an evolution through that tension um, to then get to a place of harmony, but then there'll be another step after that. Um, but we've also been going through a huge collective karmic cleanse of relationships, um, especially after these last two Libra full moons. Clark, you're looking like, you're like, oh, I know this. It's just, yeah, it resonates. I mean, <laughs> it resonates strong. Isn't she also really into astrology? I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure, yeah. I think I saw her do on Chelsea Handler's talk show a she couple years ago. She did on Alan, too, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Megan Fox, get at me. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome here anytime, both of you. Okay. Next, we are going to talk about a divorce, a, a real divorce this time, which is Adele. Sadly, she mm. has split with her husband. They've been together for a long time. Uh, her husband's name uh, Simon Konecki, and uh, they just said the love was no longer there. And at first it seemed very calm, peaceful. There's not going to be a lot of fighting. Um, he, She gave him the house in Los Angeles that they own together, 
and they sold their UK home and they have a six-year-old son named Angelo. It's her top priority and they're going to be co-parenting, but people are really chattering a lot because um, Adele is worth a lot of money. Simon, probably not so much. So Adele is reportedly worth $180 million and she did not have him sign a prenuptial agreement. So this means that he could potentially walk away with $90 million, half of everything. Um, and, you know, she's been seen now in New York. I think she's spending some time in the States. What are we kind of seeing with these two? Because he, it was one of those stories, those Hollywood stories. He's just a nice, normal guy. And, you know, she took time off to have a family and to raise a family. But now that, you know, I wanna, I'm interested in seeing what's coming up for her and were they compatible and who else could she be compatible with? Of course. So just uh, she's a Taurus Sun, Cancer Rising, Sagittarius Moon. Um, her Gemini, she's a Venus in Gemini. Um, and what's happening currently is Jupiter just retrograded over her Moon and opposite her Venus. Venus can be in relationships. Jupiter significant, significant of the husband over her Moon, which is her emotional center. Um, and that Mercury retrograde happened over her North Node, which is her soul direction. So there's a huge shift occurring for her. Um, when it comes to the, the finances, um, it's going to be definitely something that they'll have to negotiate through. There's going to be a lot of legal proceedings. Jupiter also rules the law um, and, and is in its home sign of Sagittarius. Um, but I think no matter what happens, though, it's Adele. And she's going to recover amazing. She's powerful energy. She's a powerful voice. Um, and I think too, if they're if they're going to the co the co parenting, it's going to be, um, that's there. I I I believe in looking at his energy as well, and as an Aries Sun or Aquarius and an Aquarius Moon, he they'll be putting their son first, just making sure that no matter what happens, that he is going to be the the priority. They're they're two energies that would really care for their child. Well, one thing that I really love about the stories that you always pick, Sam, and it just really, it's so interesting because you always have your, your you know, finger on the pulse of everything that is going on. You know, looking back to a couple weeks ago, you were choosing a lot of people that were in, all having similar patterns exposed at the exact same time. That's exactly what you're doing again here. Yeah. You're not even realizing you're doing it because it's literally, <laughs> yeah. literally pop culture and this is the way that the world works. So, you know, before we were talking about Megan Fox, uh, a Taurus sun with a Capricorn rising. Adele is similar. She's a Taurus sun, but she's a Cancer rising. So both Megan Fox and Adele are going through eclipses in their identity and in their partnerships. Sometimes mm -hmm. that can happen and bring you closer to someone. Sometimes it takes you away. And so the thing is, you know, looking at these similar pop culture stories, you know, I thought I found that just the patterns to be so interesting and, and profound, you know, because we can learn so much about them. The other things that I was noticing, obviously, besides the eclipses is that, you know, right now Uranus uh, was going over Simon's son for the last several years, making him shake off his patterns and wanting to break free, break free from relationships. And so that has created an independence, has been, which has been a part of them separating. Also, with the watching Jupiter, too, you know, even though she at this point in time is having a separation from him, because Jupiter is in her solar house of uh, intimacy, 
it is actually focusing her on the imbalances that are happening in her relationships. So that's why she's wanting to separate. And even though, you know, yes, there is going to have to be legal proceedings of them separating, it is going to work out the way it's supposed to. And, you know, she's going to be happy and fine with it because, I mean, she is adult and she's going to make yeah. more money. So, yeah. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to say is with her specifically is that Jupiter is going to be going into her house of marriage and partnership next year. Ooh. So she's she's destined for better love and better connections anyways. Wow. So bye, Simon. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, just to, to elaborate on that too, where where Jupiter goes, it expands yeah. everything, blows everything out of proportion. However, in that moment of making everything super larger, you can come to a resolution quicker because you see all these little things, mm -hmm. especially with it being in her, her eighth house of intimacy, which also has to do with other people's money mm -hmm. you get from your marriage. It's going to exacerbate, um, especially because her moon also falls in this energy, um, which so it's hitting her in an emotional place, but she's going to feel much better on the other side of it too. And then I noticed another pattern um, like, like Kyle did with all the stories and including with our, our, our lovely guest today, all strong Gemini placements as mm. well. Mm -hmm. Her and Megan have Venus Geminis. Clark has a Mars in Gemini, mm -hmm. the Gemini rising. And even the, all the other stories we picked have a lot of strong Gemini energy. So we are all working with patterns and energies attract things very specifically based on everything. Well, mm -hmm. one thing I also wanted just to laugh, just to, before I end that story here is that you, you did bring up to us before about how they had been separated for like eight or nine months. Yeah. But they announced the split on April 19th, and that is really significant because it was a full moon in Libra focusing our attention on partnerships. That second one. And Exactly. However, specifically, it fell in Simon's house of marriage and partnership. So everything was coming to light. And full moons also can mark an ending. Uh, Culmination. Wow. Yeah. It's, dun, dun, dun. it's crazy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I know. I know. So according to the boys, um, Adele is definitely best suited with uh, Scorpios or Cancers, right? I'd say to... Um, a fire sign would be great because of her moon and her Venus. Um, her Mars is also in an air sign as well. So Interesting. Um, it, they could, their sun could be anything. Um, but you definitely, with compatibility, always look to the moon. Um, if, if the moons are in harmony, that means that internally they, they get along very well. My partner and I have the same moon sign. So at the end of the day, no matter where we're at, we know that we feel very similarly and can understand very intuitively and um, uh, subconsciously the other one mm. and we can always end up on the same page and then with Mars and Venus those are your, your fun love planets she may even be really good with the Capricorn though because oh, yeah. you know she's got the Cancer rising so that would be really you know focused amazing on, with Capricorn partnership and then with you know her being a Taurus because Taurus and Capricorn are really really connected very well as, as well and so you know but he would he would really love her so intensely yeah, Capricorn if she found the right Capricorn, he would just be like... Mm -hmm. well, and, and with the Taurus. Taurus and his, well. Oh, so yeah, yeah, they'd be happy. Her Jupiter's in Taurus as well, so mm -hmm. anything that would aspect that, that Earth energy for her. Maybe that'll be two albums from now. Right now, we need a <laughs> breakup album. <laughs> so now, give us the good... <laughs> she's what, like 30 now? Must be 30, uh, 31? Yeah, no, I think she's a little younger than me, so uh, 29 she's maybe. Yes, oh yeah, she's a year, she's a year, you're right, 88, she's a year younger than I am, way to 
play your cards, Sam. Just show your cards. Oh, I thought I mean. you meant 88 years old. No. Oh. I don't think that's <laughs> the album. Yeah. Art. <laughs> Looking forward to it. But I, lo- I, I do love how she always names her albums after her age. Yeah. Yes, um, me too. So clever. Um, I'm laughing because I actually skipped over our first story. So I, you guys were looking at me. I was like, why are you looking at me? What am I doing? Okay. So my first story of the day was uh, Catherine Schwarzenegger just had her bridal shower for uh, her wedding to Chris Pratt. Now, this is a really interesting relationship that I'm excited for us to dig our teeth into because it also, I never understood it. It was very random. When Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris split a couple of years ago, the hashtag, I think, was trending, like, love is dead. You know, this is our favorite Hollywood couple, and if they can't make it work, nobody can make it work. So they split up, and very soon after um, they split Catherine and Chris met. They met, let's see, well, they got engaged this past January in 2019, and they only met in June of 2018, so less than a year, and then he split from Anna in April of 2018, and it's all happened extremely quickly. Chris is also 10 years her senior. She, I mean, she's the daughter of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Schreiber, and Obviously, comes from a famous family. When you look up what her job is, I mean, it says blogger. Mm-hmm. No, no hate on bloggers, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just like who? She's a celebrity kid. Why is this compatible? I mean, Chris Pratt right now is, and he has been one of the biggest, biggest, biggest movie stars in the world. You know, the uh, latest Avengers just came out, and they made at the Avengers premiere. Catherine and Chris made their first red carpet debut together. Oh wow! Yeah, and I mean, that was just like last week so now she had this bridal shower it was at her mom's house oprah was there it was this like huge very elegant um rich fancy thing and you know chris showed up and gave a very heartfelt speech arnold showed up with a cigar in his mouth and a really like sly (laughs) grin on his face so you know my question is how did this happen and are they extremely compatible to the point that it can surpass all of the judgment of like why are they together i looking comparing his chart to Catherine and his chart to anna or anna um i think he's actually more compatible with Catherine. i agree um for yeah. a few reasons um we're both anna and Catherine are both sagittarius and he's a gemini it's a polarity um She's and it's so funny too. He's he she's only she, he he's basically with Taylor Swift too. Um, no wait, they're not both Sagittarius, are? Oh yeah, wait, no, oh, November December. Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, Catherine is is her chart with the perception of her rising, literally Taylor Swift. But um, <laughs> not saying that I'm pairing those two. But um, so we're dealing with a polarity. There, Catherine and Chris's Mars and Venus are also in. Um, well, their, their Marses are in an exact uh, opposition in Taurus and Scorpio, and as well as his moon in Taurus. Um, so there's a, a strong pool of this like yin and yang energy between the two of them. Whereas with Anna, um, her Mars was in opposition to his um, to his Sun, which which is great compatibility. However, the it, it also it was more of a challenge um, with his Venus, um, but also her Saturn. Anna's Saturn is in the same spot as Chris's Jupiter, which um, I feel there was a positive to it and a negative. I feel like in a sense of how he's expanding himself, 
he actually felt a restriction being with her. Mm-hmm. However, that restriction probably served him very strongly earlier in the relationship of getting his career and how he is expanding and, and, and elaborating himself in a lot um, more focused. But um, the, the, but the the challenge he probably he just he probably felt like some sort of restriction from her in that in that sense, especially with the um, challenge of her um, her energy towards his. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, one thing that I'm loving, you know, the more that we do these, is, you know, we, I think naturally you and I focus on really different things in, different. In, in looking at it, which I think is really compatible because we can we have, we have a a more expansive picture of everything yeah. for mm-hmm. for everyone. So. The way that I was actually looking at it is looking at the transits of what was actually happening and when this was happening and why it was happening. So, you know, we have the foundation of what they naturally have in compatibility. So those factors are going to be highlighted, you know, through these specific things that I am about to go into. So the thing that I'm really interested in focusing upon here is looking at the the, the movement of, of Jupiter because it takes 12 years for it to go around the sun. So last year it was... In, in 2018, Jupiter was in Scorpio, which was allowing Chris to be reborn like a phoenix. He was shedding what wasn't working and also um, establishing new cycles that will last for 12 years because he, what, he is a Scorpio rising. So that was his beginning of everything. Uh, however, during that same time, for both Catherine and Anna, they were releasing the last chapter because their first chapter starts now. So exactly. So, you know, he had to go through all of that, you know, release, which allowed, you know, essentially Catherine to be ready for him to come into her life now. But Anna, you know, is is actually ready to move on too. You know, that's why that that worked in complete favor across the board. So there's that. And then... Yeah, you know, I, uh, the way that I'm seeing this here is that Anna is really happy to release that. Catherine is, wel- is happy to welcome him in. And so, you know, once actually Jupiter entered Sagittarius in November of last year, it also entered one of Chris's houses of marriage. So it lit up, and that's what's happening now. So that's why he is so drawn magnetically to her as the polar opposite to him. And that means that he, this specific long-term marriage is going to work really well divinely on his side. Yeah. She's, mm. she's all about a, timing. Yeah, it's it all really about is. timing. Yeah. It is, and she also completes her Saturn return this year. So she's mm-hmm. becoming an adult astrologically, really um, understanding her place in the world and what she wants to Catherine? do. This is Catherine. Um, this is Catherine. And also looking at, the, at, the, at some calculated points in terms of her, like, her part of fortune and, their, and his vertex, um, they fall very specifically in, in with relationship uh, placements, um, which also speak to very karmic, faded relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that he went through with Anna was actually preparing him for this relationship. Exactly, like literally that that path. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. Um, yeah, and and she's she's part of that that Capricorn stellium generation of the late '80s, early '90s. Um, so she's she's entering a whole new world of of who she is and what she's doing. Um, and again, like I said, she's literally almost, the, I think actually the same day as Taylor Swift. And, and they're, so they're, they're Saturn returns and the same day and, and, and are at the same degree. So that whole era of, of that late 1989 into beginning of, of 
1990 are all experiencing themselves level up into a new place in the world. Well, coming from kind of a love pessimist and a little bit of a man hater at times, you know, seeing, uh, of course, just like from the surface, seeing someone like Chris Pratt, you know, break up with the mother of his child, his wife, everyone thought they were perfect together. And like, there's no bad blood between him and Anna. So I shouldn't have a problem if she doesn't have a problem. But I always wondered, you know, was he just looking for somebody that was kind of a yes man that wasn't going to challenge him as much as she did? Oh, no, I don't. Well, both Catherine is actually we don't have Anna's birth time, so we don't know her rising. But Catherine is a Sagittarius sun and rising. Mm -hmm. And he is a Gemini sun with a a Taurus moon and a Scorpio rising. And as a Sagittarius and someone who's also strong in Gemini energy, we're not yes people. We will, we will only do what we want to do. Um, I think, again, going back to Anna's Saturn in Leo conjuncting Chris's Jupiter in Leo, I think that's more of this restriction of, of him needing to be released, whereas Catherine's uh, Jupiter is in Cancer and her moon, which are very in harmony with his moon um, his and his um, rising as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more of an, probably actually experience more of an expanse expansive relationship together. How beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? I need to just like accept the universe that um, <laughs> and stop judging people, okay? Stop it's judging hard people, though. Yeah. It's hard. Especially when you have a, re- you know, you feel like you have a relationship with their relationship, you mm-hmm. know? Well, I, I also think sometimes, you know, especially when we look at, you know, celebrities and, and people of influence and, you know, we, we become, as you were saying, attached to their mm-hmm. their relationships and their, their love. I, it sometimes can be a way that we see as a mirror to ourselves and how totally. that we want it to, to exist in our lives. And, you know, when that falls, you know, as you were saying about, like, it being the, the perfect relationship, you know, we, we, we root for that. We mm-hmm. want it to feel yeah. that, especially if we don't currently have that because, I mean, Sam, you and I are working and crushing our careers so hard, you know what I mean? And so it's like, you know, eventually, you know, the right person will come to each of us and, you know, all of us. In time. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that if it's like you're chasing after something that isn't going to be there right now. Yeah. You're wasting your energy. You are, yeah. And in, I've, I'm in a long-term relationship, and it, it yes, literally Yes, we know. Happened. <laughs> it happened. I know. Now I'm like, I'm not career salty. focused, relationship <laughs> done, career focused. Um, but it, it happens when you're not expecting it. Yeah. I, both of it, we, me and uh, my boyfriend Michael talked about it recently of how we both kind of were just surrendering of like we don't need anything right now and then literally just randomly it all popped up and it exploded into something that now two and a half years later we're just like I can't imagine life without you mm-hmm. um, but and then when especially looking at, at the timing of our astrology and what was going on with our charts and that day and, and the timing of, of us first meeting it literally just happened and it happened very intimate points hitting in our in both of our charts and an awakening it was in the stars it was in the stars okay so uh my last celebrity story of the day is my celeb wtf and um yes we're going to be doing another kardashian story because there's a lot of wtfs i have with that family okay (laughs) so and the reason i bring this up too is because the Chloe, Tristan, Jordan thing is kind of back in the news. Jordan Woods has been now out on the town a little bit more. She's not hiding as much as she used to be. 
Um, so let me just give you all a breakdown for those that don't know of what ha exactly went on here. So people are obviously still talking about this scandal. Kylie finally deleted Jordan Woods's uh, photo on her Twitter background. Um, so they, they've been best friends literally for years and years and years. Let's start when Chloe and Tristan started dating. Uh, Tristan Thompson, he's a basketball player. He made my hometown of Cleveland not look very nice, I have to say. I don't like that. <laughs> so they started dating in August of 2016, and then in April of 2017, Chloe said she was ready for Tristan to propose. And then in September of 2017, it was rumored that Chloe was pregnant, and she had been wanting to have a baby for so, so long. She tried to have one with her ex, Lamar, and it just didn't work. So it really seemed like things were working out for them. And then it was confirmed in December of 2017 that she was pregnant. April of 2017, just before Chloe went into labor, this was honestly one of the most horrific things I've ever seen happen in pop culture history. Um, video surfaced of him cheating on her at mm -hmm. a club, and it literally made her go into labor. And oh my goodness. So she, and they're shooting, keeping up with the Kardashians, like as all. I mean, it was a freaking train wreck. But she took him back because she wanted what was best for her family, and who knows if she knew that he was doing this. I think there possibly could have been something like, do what you're going to do, but don't be freaking stupid about it and embarrass me and my family. So then, you know, everyone was like, oh, I can't believe she took him back, but okay, hopefully he'll be on good behavior. Um, then in, you know, July of 2018, they were in couples therapy. Then on February 17th of this year, 2019, he was caught on camera making out um, with Jordan Woods, who literally lives, lived with her sister Kylie, a huge just friend of the family. She was essentially like the last sister. They treated her like a sister, like a daughter, and this girl was freaking crucified by the public, getting death threats. Um, it's so sad to watch. It was hard, and, and she went on to this uh, Red Table Talk show, which is Jada Pinkett Smith's talk show. Oh, I show. saw that. Yeah, I saw it too on uh, Facebook. Facebook Watch? Mm -hmm. Facebook watch. Yes, and she told her side of the story, and she's just she's a young girl and was partying and got caught up, and basically Chloe just really crucified her, and it you know she blamed her and not her man, and that just you know it it mm. was not a good look for her, and on April twenty third, that's when, and then April well, April twenty third, which was recently. Chloe said, you know, she wanted Tristan to fight harder for their relationship. It's like, he's he's probably, I'm sorry, slept with a ton of women since this entire thing has gone down. And she, I think she's finally, Chloe is finally um, accepting what her baby daddy is. And But they still have really blackballed uh, Jordan Woods. Apparently she's gained 30 pounds in the past like month and you know it's a I, I do see both sides of it but I do feel like both I do feel like the Kardashian side really kind of went went overkill so let's get into kind of all of their signs and like what happened and when and why well Chloe is a cancer sun with an Aquarius rising Tristan is a Pisces sun so their sun signs are both water they are, are very connected in that way Jordan is a Libra and you know kind of is this this other element that's thrown into it she she works really well as a friend to kylie mm -hmm. uh but i don't see like this intense connection per se with with chloe or even tristan but we don't have his ascendant not his ascendant but 
Jordan and Cor- uh, Chloe have the same moon sign, mm. um, both Gemini moons. Tristan and th- there's a lot of Gemini energy at play in this in, in this dynamic. Um, Does that mean like two faced bitches? Could be. Um, <laughs> I also just think. I mean, I I just don't think Tristan is mature enough now i think i think chloe needs someone more mature yeah and and someone who has their shit together and not similar to there's a lot of growing that's that's needed with with these Mm -hmm. young they're so young and stop dating athletes it's just it it's in the nature Mm. it's in their nature and that's why i always was curious was there some kind of arrangement um of of, i mean a lot of hollywood couples i know you're gonna cheat but just don't make me look like a jerk don't make me look stupid and that is why people get angry. And it might not necessarily even be, oh, you cheated. It's just that, oh, you got caught, and so now I look bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, looking here, you know, again, eclipses are something that I really do focus on as an astrologer because you can see where the specific destiny is, is refocusing your life at that point in time. You know, we, we talked about this yeah. last week. So for you, Sam, your career is where you're in, you're in, your eclipses are happening for the next year and a half. So your career is going to exponentially rise each time. You know, for me, it's in media and, and you know, literally everything we're doing right now. That's how it's <laughs> affecting me and in my career as well. So, you know, that's, that's there. Um, but she's dealing with her identity and her partnership changing. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that. Uh, however, the dates that actually were really fascinating to me here is that you did, uh, we talked about February 17th, that's when it came to light, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that fell uh, next to two very important dates. So there was a full moon in Virgo on February 19th. A full moon always has a, a, a kind of like a a spotlight of, of days that it casts its energy over. So like a couple of days before, a couple of days after, usually this kind of energy manifests. So on February 17th, it came to light. February 19th was the full moon in Virgo. For Tristan, it exposed him to his partner. That's literally what was happening wow. in the stars. Also... You should have read his horoscope that week, right? <laughs> also, so Mercury, the planet of communication, was exactly in the same, sp- same place as Neptune, creating this illusion and smoke... Sp- smokescreen around everyone uh however also venus planet of love was in the same place in the sky as saturn giver of hardship and also you know making the love colder the way that that actually manifests specifically for chloe is it fell exactly in her house of marriage and partnership so her love turned cold literally on that day she had she has her her natal jupiter is in capricorn as well isn't that nuts, though? That's insane. I know. When I see this stuff, I'm like, Kyle, how did that this even, like, it blows my mind. Mm. You know? It just blows my mind. Well, I, you know, I am just curious for Jordan. Is Do you think the hardships for her as far as being, like, fried in front of the media and all this stuff, is it coming at least to a, close to an end? Or is are people going to keep on doing this to her? Is it still crazy? Saturn is in her house of home right now. Spending time with her family, which she moved back in with her mom. Yeah. So that's going to be a big, crucial development sector for her. The eclipses, though, they're not... Well, they're they're affecting her public recognition. And her yes. home and family. She's a Libra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in a yep. sense, I mean, she was so close to the Kardashians that she's 
Lo- mm-hmm. losing some a family in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the Pinkett Smiths are also a nice family to uh, have to back you up because they've, they've known her since she was a little girl. Oh, really? Yeah, her father worked on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I oh, believe. Wow. So I Way think back Will Smith has literally known her since she was born, and I believe wow. that he might be his godfather, actually. Okay. So I, I could be wrong, but I think so. Um, okay, but okay, so with Jordan, like, you guys keep on telling me, oh, my career's doing great, but, like, it could go either way for Libras right now, as far as public recognition. Well, I I mean, it's definitely, there's different kinds of eclipses. Mm -hmm. So we look at them energetically, and and also how the other interactions of the planets are happening at that time. So, you know, I really do specialize in looking at, like, the dates and the transits of that, because I want to, there is a predictive quality to that, because you know what energies are moving, and the, the currents of the, of the universe at that point in time. Like if Mars is clashing with that specific moon, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to create an obstacle. Yeah. It's going to create something tangible that you're going to have to figure out how to I- effectively resolve and, and become stronger from. We'll see a lot um, come Cancer season with the next set of eclipses. Oh, my for all, of them, for all of them. But it's, yeah, I mean, I literally, I so I have this, I write down all of the, all of the things every day for the entire year ahead of time. Cancer season is going to be a goddamn mess. I yeah. Mean, like, <laughs> like, for real, though, because, I mean, it's like everything is in opposition with all the stuff. So just, oh, so think about how you I felt. Know, right? Think about how you felt during Aries season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going like to be again. like that, but a little more intense because <laughs> instead of it just being a, a, a hard 90-degree angle, it's a 180-degree angle where we have to balance. And we have eclipses. And there's eclipses. Oh, man. So, and, and, yeah. and, with, and it will have, and in that cycle, we'll have the opposition. Of and the we have Mercury retrograde. And Mercury retrograde. Oh, and man, you guys. Cancer. Let's just That's live everything. in this beautiful moment. Yeah. Right? Taurus time, Taurus time. Taurus time. Tor- like, enjoy Taurus season. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get it all, guys. All right, all. Just live it up. Well, we breathe because now because it will be a little yeah. more intense come summer. Well, wow. I mean, literally, like you know, like I said before, you know, this May Fourth new moon in Taurus is mm-hmm. gorgeous for everyone. The May 18th uh, full moon in Scorpio is actually gorgeous as yeah. well. Great. So we have literally a whole month here where it's gonna be really beneficial and, to our lives. And the the the, the Sag full moon and the Gemini new moon are also aren't too challenging okay. either. It's, it's the Cancer new moon, which is a solar eclipse, and the Capricorn full moon, which is a lunar eclipse, that are going to be the big ones. Plus, we have the opposition of the sun to Saturn and Pluto, which is the midpoint of the retrograde. Yeah. So everything that we're working on within that energy also comes to a huge head. Plus, we have these eclipses. It's like, mm-hmm. you really be watching people with strong Cancer or Capricorn energy because it's just going to be bam, bam, bam yeah. over the next few years, honestly. Yeah. Um, so we'll see a lot, I think, come up with them because, again, they also have a lot of that energy mm-hmm. natally. Well, let's get to our special guest, Ooh. Clark Moore, who is a Pisces, an actor, uh, LGBTQ advocate. You know, you've really done some beautiful things in that Thank world you. and in the entertainment industry the past couple of years. I know you really want to focus uh, on career stuff, so let's take it away, guys. Well, to dive in. Oh, no, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be. Well, I, let's see. Where do we want to start? I so, mean, I, I, for me, I, today is a big day. I was just telling you when, when, mm-hmm. when we got here. Um, today is your exact Mars return. So think about the last two years, mm-hmm. and now think about the next two years. Okay. Your, the way you've been putting yourself out into the world, your actions, your passion projects, um, you're starting a new cycle of that. Mm. Um, so basically, clean slate. 
your today onward and now the energy of today and what's been going on today kind of will flavor the next two years right um however um i also started looking at your uh, saturn return Mm -hmm. which happens exactly on january 19th 2021 so you're in this pre-shadow of it um, right um and usually with saturn returns you start to feel about 30 degrees out um and so we're already in that energy you have this strong awareness of of the energy coming up and and where where you want to be going so next year you'll be feeling it very intensely because it's going to come very close to your saturn but then retrograde into capricorn your saturn is at the very beginning of aquarius Mm mm-hmm um, but then again, you'll clear, you'll, you'll basically, you're in your Saturn return, you clear your Saturn return in January of 2021. Okay. Um, and that is, again, you in on the stage of the world. Um, and at that time, too, of your Saturn return, you'll also be just before your next Mars return. Oh, wow. So your act, the actions you're taking now through then are going to be serving how your Saturn return energy kind of formulates and, and, and takes place. Okay. Um, I was also looking at your relocation chart for Los Angeles. You're originally from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you change locations from your natal, where you were born, your chart changes slightly. Your natal chart always is a, the most important, but um, the energies are slightly different. So in, in Los right. Angeles, instead of being a Gemini rising, you're actually an Aries rising. Oh, interesting. So it's been a lot of self-direction, a lot of having to put yourself out there. Totally. Um, with all this Capricorn, that is going to be then your career and fame sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can expect a lot of career growth. Um, and again, it's about how you're showing up and about how the actions you're choosing to take right. um, that are going to be leading you up to this. And since, again, you have this pre-awareness of the energy. that I remember, I think there was like an article you did la- last year, an interview where you mentioned, like, oh, I'm coming up to my Saturn return. Mm, yeah. And I was like, I was like <laughs> oh, my God, like, he's going to blow up. Because you have just the awareness is the power. And right. so if you tell yourself, okay, like, I have to put myself out there. I have to get myself going and moving forward, which you've been doing. And right. You've been seeing this amazing progress. It's only going to set you up even better when it come, when you hit and pass that final point. Right. Um, it's like last week we were talking about Taylor Swift and she had this big announcement. And it's all timing with her Saturn return. Oh, wow. Ex- almost exactly. So we're going to see some, some things shift for her and it's going to be similar for you next this year into next year and right. going into january of 2021 after we clear all these crazy eclipses in capricorn the saturn pluto conjunction in capricorn which again will hit your um career sector here in los angeles um but also as a, as a pisces that's going to be your your you in the public and, and, and your public standing for right. gemini that's going to be um it's going to be your your relationship sector as well as like what you get from others, how you, what you're receiving from others, business deals. Right. Um, Jupiter going through your seventh house is going to attract new business opportunities, business partnerships. Putting yourself there, yeah, and out there, and 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 trusting and having faith because with Jupiter too comes this faith of needing to know I'm making the right deals. And you you've been just in this last year, you've you've jumped up. So quickly, right? It has been a serious growth, and I think that so that speaks to exactly what I've been feeling here is that the this is a city and an industry that requires you to really put yourself out there and to really, you know, the there is no day to day. Everyone always asks like, what's your day to day schedule? And it's like there isn't one. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing that actually I wanted to touch on specifically about you is literally what you're talking about because mm. of the way that 
the your rising sign and your sun sign are correlated. So with you being a Gemini rising, Pisces rules your career. Mm-hmm. So naturally, your identity and your authentic self and the way that you present yourself is always going to make you more successful in things. Mm. So literally, the more that you rely on that, the more you will rise. And that I can see that specifically right here. Also, uh, one thing that I think is really interesting is that so Jupiter right now is in Sagittarius. So it represents that your reputation and career sector is expanding, like he was saying. Mm. However, it also is in your partnership sector, which means that you can find important collaborative partners or you may actually find a boyfriend who is very famous mm. or, or in the limelight that will actually grow and help you. Yeah. Um, so that is something that's really, really crucial. Um, another thing that I wanted to note is that you, because you are a Pisces sun, starting, I mean, we had one last July. We have one, obviously, this July. We have them continuing the eclipses that are happening in your romantic sector. Mm. So you're either going to fall in in love, out of love very rapidly. When they happened to me, I mean, it was very, very intense and transformative. And that is going to continue for you. Uh, but the one moment that I know you wanted to talk about career, uh, but I want to talk about partnership for you. Because yes, please. Yeah. I think this is such a beautiful moment. And like I said, I really do focus on the transits and where the planets are moving to kind of predict that. Mm. And so in... August 30th, around August 30th, the days that follow that, we have some incredible energy. We have Mars ruling sexuality, passion, drive. We have Venus ruling love, you know, Mm. harmony, beauty. We have Mercury ruling communication and negotiation along with the sun and the moon, which is life force and, and the uniting of all of the masculine and the feminine. They're all in the exact same place in the sky and for you that falls in your marriage sector. Wow. So you and a lot of other Pisces are actually going to really, really have the opportunity to find like a soulmate. Oh, wow. That's yeah. when? It's in the days st- uh, starting after August 30th. This year? Like yeah, in a year. couple of months? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And I'm so excited for you. That's it. Mazel <laughs> yeah. tov on your future engagement. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I've been waiting my whole life. <laughs> yes. Um, it's going to be, and the eclipse is also fall in your 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 second house of values and and, and earned income as well. Mm-hmm. In relationship to that intimacy intimacy sector, they're they're correlated. What you give and receive right. are all tied into one. So you can come into a partner too that really hones in on what you truly value and mm-hmm. be a partner of extreme value to you. Mm-hmm. One that really hits you inside of, mm. of what you feel because cancer being in your second house natally but also your fifth house solar and lunar charts mm. um, and since you are double Pisces there's probably more of an emphasis for you on the Pisces energy right totally um, so this, this that fifth house activation which also is career projects mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and anything that you create but it's also romance and love and fun flirty mm. things hot right. sex hot oh, yeah mm. fifth yeah. house is hot mm-hmm, sex mm-hmm, mm-hmm. speaking wow. of hot sex you guys we um, are running out of time <laughs> we <laughs> have to uh, segue into our bang Mary kill yes. tourist season yes, yes. What thank you get? guys for that that was amazing yeah yeah thank totally you. cool so today is uh we're gonna dive into some famous tauruses and i'm giving you guys channing tatum mm. george clooney and robert pattinson did you just shake your head at channing tatum oh yeah i'm oh, not a fan okay. oh wow all oh. right let's let him go first to see is our guest oh gosh um oh, it's really hard it's a really hard one 
<laughs> there are so many hot Taurus men. Oh God, I know. I'm so glad I am one. <laughs> it's so, such a problem. Okay, um, I'm, I guess I'm gonna have to say Mary George because I would love to imagine a world in which I'm a Mall Clooney. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna go with Mary George, and then I guess I guess Bang Channing and unfortunately kill Robert. Aww. I do love Robert's work. No, <laughs> and he seems to be very nice. So that's a tough one. Okay. So I am going to kill George. I'm sorry. As much as I do love George Clooney, I don't know. I see some darkness in him, and he's been in the industry a long time, and I just don't really trust him. I am going to marry. Oh, this is a hard one. Like, okay, I'm going to marry Robert Pattinson, even though he's like extremely emotional, and it, that might be a lot. I would like to see him around every day. And, you know, it's hard to not want to marry Channing, but I think Channing literally just has women just humping him wherever he goes. And (laughs) I would not, and same with Robert, but Channing just really puts it all out there with his dance moves. So I would um, bang Channing, marry Robert. Edward. So I think it's mine's similar. Um, So even though I shook my head at Channing Tatum, I I think I would... I think I'd actually marry him. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. a big jump. Yeah. Um, but is that because of process of elimination? Or I, because I think it's a combination of process of, elim- of elimination, but also I think it's dance moves. I right. Think, I think it'd be like fun, more, like a lot of fun long term. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, live out a daddy fantasy with George and, and bang him. And I mean... You know, Edward and, and... He'll be alive forever, so you can't really kill him. It's all right. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, well, though he did die in Harry Potter, but... True. Very true. Iconically, yeah. Iconically. Yes. All right, Kyle, what about you? I think I want to marry scruffy, brown-haired otter named Robert Pattinson. <laughs> otter. So we're going to do that. Okay. And then uh, I think I'd bang George Clooney for his power... Oh wow! And then I would kill Channing Tatum. Okay. I mean, hell yeah! I mean, I, I mean, will like, I need, I will suck that shit right up. Oh, <laughs> all right. Intense. Well, we just ended on a high it. note there. Sorry, guys, real tense today. Don't you have Pluto in your seventh house? I do. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. All right. Well, Clark, thank you so so much thank for you joining so much for us. Having me. We thank have. You. Loved having you. And please, everyone, follow you. Where can everyone find you on yeah, social media? Mr. Clark Moore is my handle. And do you have any upcoming projects you'd like to plug? Um, those three are sort of like the big ones at the moment. Uh-huh. I've got some cool stuff brewing Good. per what you guys were talking about, <laughs> which is exciting. It's so funny because I, I was telling you, uh, I'm ju- I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine about my one to three year plan and some of the things that are happening in the next couple of years and the things that I'm building. So it, I am very excited about long term energy right now. Yeah. Capricorn is long term goals. Very much so. Awesome. Um, and you guys can find me, Sam Davidson, at SamD43 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm off to Vegas right now to go cover the Billboard Music Awards. I'm really excited. So follow me on Instagram because I will be documenting all of that. We'll see you next week. Again, my name is Aaron LaFaro. You can find me on Instagram at astrology underscore coach, um, where I post daily somewhat of what's going on and, and how you can use it to direct your life a little better. And to send off today, I would also like to thank Love by Luna, our sponsor. We will be giving uh, this crystal set to our wonderful friend here. It is going to enhance his manifest desires mm. as well. 
Uh, also, if you are based in Los Angeles, we are going to be a part of uh, an art festival that will be taking place on May 11th. Uh, I will be hosting that. Uh, there will be musicians, there will be vendors, there will be, apparently, according to the flyer, hot people. Yes, Sam is going to be performing. So that it is free, it is 21 plus, it's from 2 to 6 p.m. And yeah, we hope to see you. So uh, again, my name is Kyle Thomas. I'm a pop culture astrologer. And you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Kyle Thomas. And of course, don't forget to follow us at AstroKiki, at AstroKiki on Instagram. We will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Astro Kiki Radio on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Astro Kiki Radio, and you can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to join us next week, and don't forget, we are the only e-news of astrology. Astro Kiki.